Argentina. We are getting over, and I am the Silver King, Adam Silverstein, here to lead you through these hard times. That was another epic edition of the fastest-growing wrestling podcast in the world. I don't know if that's true, but it most likely is. Not much chit-chat to open today's show, but I have been meaning to give a shout-out for quite some time to Nick Johnson. You can follow him on Twitter at Nick, there's no C there, N-I-K, Johnson underscore Art. Uh, for doing most of the work behind the Getting Over podcast logo. If you are a Philadelphia sports fan, he also sells a ton of unique Philly sports clothing on his online shop that you definitely want to check out. Again, follow him on Twitter at NIKJohnson underscore art. But with that out of the way, this is the WrestleMania 36 Ultimate Preview Show, and we are going to get into it in a moment. First thing I have to tell you, of course, is you need to subscribe if you're a first-time listener to getting over. And if you're a longtime listener, then be sure to hop on Apple Podcasts, drop us at five-star rating, along with a review about the show. Every single review helps us grow, and we are seeing awesome numbers through the first couple of weeks of getting over. Also, don't forget to tell a friend. Word of mouth is the best way to grow a podcast. All right, let's get to it. Since this is indeed the ultimate preview for WrestleMania 36, I thought it was best to make it not a one-on-one, but a triple threat. So not only is Chris Vanini back for a second time this week, but Jack Crosby has returned to ensure we don't miss a single angle as we look at the show of shows, the granddaddy of them all, and the showcase of the immortals. Guys, welcome to the show. We're going to jump right into it. Not only are we going to preview all 16 matches on WrestleMania 36, we're also going to answer some listener questions as we go here. And we're going to open up with a guy who is honestly, he's making a move for MVP status here on Getting Over, Black Saber Jr. at underscore Black Saber Jr. He wants to know when we look at this entire match card, and let's not give away our picks too early, but which match result do we think is the most likely to have changed based on there being no fans in attendance at WrestleMania? For me, the answer is easy. And I'm not going to give the pick. We're going to talk about it a little bit later. But I think the main event, Brock Lesnar versus Drew McIntyre, I am not going to be surprised if by the time WrestleMania ends, I'm going to expect that to main event on Sunday. If the winner of that match is a surprise or it's at least not what we expected it to be going into the show. Jack, what about you? Mo- like what we think is most li- like what we think WWE most likely changed or what we want changed. Like it, what, what, if- what we think, what we think based on Mania moving from Tampa to the Performance Center. What we think, they said, you know what? We got to change the finish of this match. I don't want to. I, I mean, look, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I think the universal title match, maybe. Okay. And there's more than one fact. I understand that it's more than just the move to the performance. Everybody knows by now Roman Reigns not there. I think that that might have got a last minute, minute change if I had to put my money on it. I mean, we'll do a spoiler alert for that match before we uh, break it down later in the show. That's obviously going to be towards the end, one of the two main events. Um, you know, obviously, Chris, what about you? What do you think? Uh, less high profile, but I think Sami Zayn, Daniel Bryan probably changes the most because of the fans and the lack of uh, chanting, as it were. Fair enough. The, another question Black Saber Jr. had for us, he, he's kicking it off with two questions right off the bat. He wants to know how we're going to watch the shows. We're watching them solo with beer and pizza, with family. Are we going to break it up into chunks? Are we just going to have it on in the background? Are we going to watch it on Zoom with friends? Well, I can answer kind of for Jack and myself, obviously. Uh, getting Over has no affiliation, but separately, we both work for CBSSports.com, and we're going to be covering WrestleMania 36 live. And obviously, 
considering I'm going to be doing an instant analysis and I don't know what form or fashion that's going to take. I'm going to be still watching it with an analytical eye. So will there be beer involved? There'll probably be a beer. Will there be some really good food? Yeah, probably. But it's a solo focus. It's old school, like the way I'd watch any major pay-per-view, you know, analytically, like trying to break it down. Uh, Chris, what are your plans for Mania? I'm not sure yet. I'm considering reaching out to some friends about Zoom, but both, I mean, both nights are going to be pretty long. I'd venture three to four hours at least. It feels like it's going to be a very long time to be on there, but yet to be determined. I'm not sure how many people are. are we got to see the car, too. I don't know what's going to be on Saturday, what's going to be on Sunday, uh, that type of availability. But we know everybody's going to be at home, so I'm definitely going to be watching it in some form. Not sure if I'll be communicating over text or, or whatever, but uh, at least probably solo. I mean, there will be plenty of live tweeting going on, of course, from all three yes, of us. I'll be, can, yeah, all over Twitter. Yeah, you can bet that. There will be tweets from this crew um, and certainly from the Getting Over Twitter account, which you can follow at Getting Over Cast. Uh, but I am interested to see, you know, how this card ultimately shakes out. And, you know, candidly, I did reach out to WWE and I kind of said, look, you know, I'm doing a preview show. We're only a couple days out of the event. Granted, I know there's still a go home smackdown that, that's taped for Friday. But do you guys have any information? on what match is going to happen, what day, is there anything you'll, you're willing to release to us? And they said no. They just straight up said no. Now, certainly Kevin Owens on Monday night made it very clear that his match against Seth Rollins was Saturday. He said it like four and, times in that promo. And didn't Heyman say Sunday? Did, did, wait, didn't he say Sunday a lot during the I Brock will, promo? I, I think he said he, Sunday, I which, which, did, which is yeah. tricky because it could be a slip of the tongue, force a habit when a pay-per-view is coming up. Or he gave it like, you know, it's simple to just say this Sunday, but he said Sunday a lot. I don't think it's much of a surprise in that case that the main event that is still actually the main event that's going on as scheduled would be Sunday. But but you're right. Outside of those two matches, I don't think we actually know what we're going to get what night. And and the way that this card has been built, you know, to be fair. uh, Yeah. Are there some things that are happening that are just happening because it's in the performance center and, and people pulled out? Sure. Like we're not getting the expected Lucha Libre fatal four-way. You know, not only is Andrade now hurt, but Rey Mysterio is not able to compete. Seemingly, Roberto Creo is either not there or they just decided to scrap that match. Um, there's a lot of other things that have happened that have changed this card, and some matches that are on here kind of just got thrown on. Ultimately, though, you know, I don't think this is a great WrestleMania card. Um, even if it had been built completely to plan. I don't think it's a great WrestleMania card, even compared to last year, certainly not compared to a couple years prior. But at the same time, when you look at this one through 16, and we're going to break it down in a moment here, um, is there anything that you see on here that you just have no interest in whatsoever? I'll start with Chris here. I'm I'm both tag matches. I'm not super into for for reasons we just talked about with some folks being out. Uh, but but even the SmackDown one, the triple threat ladder match. I mean, I'm sure it'll be good. We know the Usos and New Day can always bring it, and and John Morrison will certainly have something there. But for just whatever reason, I don't. Th- these are these are teams that are, are built on fan reactions a lot and seeing the new day come out and do their intro without fans at the performance center just felt a little off. And so this whole leading into this match is everything has felt a little off because these are some of the most fan engaging folks out there and we just haven't really gotten it. It'll probably be a good match, but it's both tag matches are, are stuff. I'm just not super. I, I'm not, I'm not, not looking forward to it, but I'm just, I'm, I'm kind of not super excited for it. 
Yeah, I, I agree with Chris on the tag match simply because I, I probably wouldn't mind it as much. But it, again, fan engagement matters, and if you're going to have a WrestleMania ladder match, you need the fans. Yes. Like if they skip the ladder match aspect of it, I'd say, all right, fine. At least we're getting a title match. Not bad, but the ladder match aspect, the fans deliver. I'm also really not into, um, you know, Elias versus King Corbin just because Grok said so. Like that, that <laughs> yeah. to me, like when, when, when we're looking at this, like I, I made my thoughts known on this already. There's no, I get why they did 16 matches because you really have to push it too big for one night. I really wish so they would have just kept this at one night and just got to the nitty gritty and just kept the important stuff and just done it. Um, and Otis and Ziggler is going to sound strange. Not into it simply because we knew we were 99% we're going to get that moment where Mandy jumped into Otis's arms at the end of the match. And that was going to make 80,000 people lose their freaking minds. And now it's just kind of meh. Okay, but shame on you for not still being excited about that. But what, I, what I'll say Uh-oh. is this. It's really, for me, the entire bottom third of the card. And I'm not just talking about like Aleister Black match and Elias Corbin, as you mentioned, and the tag matches, as you mentioned. But what WWE did this year for WrestleMania, and I think it's a larger point that we can kind of talk about, is... You know, WrestleMania is supposed to be, yes, the granddaddy of them all, the show of shows, right? That's the, the the terms that they give it. And the reason why it earned those is because it's the culmination for, it's supposed to be the culmination of multiple long-term feuds, dream matches, and things, and major rivalries that finally get resolved in this, not year-end show, but end of a season almost, right? It's, everything is supposed to come to an end at WrestleMania. And what we've seen from Mania over the last couple of years, really since they started doing the Blood Money and the Sand shows, is we'd see rematches of Mania, you know, a, two weeks later, one month later at the next pay-per-view. We saw it, we'd see it with pay backlash and all that type of crap. They don't let rivalries end. This year, I think they've done an exceptionally poor job. Coronavirus aside, they did an exceptionally poor job building multiple long-term storylines that will pay off on this show especially when you look at SmackDown and what that what happened, forget Roman Reigns pulling out of the match against Goldberg, but the title change with Fiend, we know they were moving in one direction. The SmackDown titles were relatively rudderless. The Intercontinental Championship bounced back and forth. Shinsuke didn't defend it for three months. It, it, it's been kind of meaningless completely on that show. Uh, the tag team titles, even the women's titles, they had Asuka competing as a singles wrestler for months, uh, forgetting about Kyrie St. Granted, yeah, she was hurt but not developing a women's tag team title feud. So WWE, it seems, had planned to build a number of title matches, as Chris mentioned, the two tag team title matches, the IC title, and a couple other ones, in the final three or four weeks leading up to WrestleMania. And that doesn't invest me in your product when you do that. Now, I think on the Raw side, it's a little bit different, right? We have Drew McIntyre and Brock Lesnar with a long-term build. Becky and Baszler was rushed a little bit, but they were at least telling a story that Becky had beaten all comers to that point. Edge Orton was a long-term build, um, and Seth Rollins' Kevin Owens was a long-term build. So Raw was actually doing a good job, but half of their brand really wasn't building towards anything at Mania, or if they were, it was falling extremely short. So I think that, for me, is where the disappointment lies and what I'm really not excited about. It's that bottom third of that card that they developed too late, and even if the coronavirus hadn't happened and, and they still had the opportunity to build it all out on television, I don't know that I would be juiced for it anyway. You know, Dave Schilling, the 
you know, obviously you and Ad- him, him and Adam, you guys started this podcast. He made a good point on Twitter today, which was that WrestleMania hasn't quite felt the same since probably WrestleMania 19. And that when they did the brand split, everything else has felt off because there's two different things going on, uh, an abundance of championships. There, there are just it, WrestleMania is when you realize that there are just too many championships. It, it, it's tough. Every, almost every single match most years is a championship. You know, WrestleMania 30 was one of those few years that we didn't have two different world champions. And I think that Daniel Bryan winning that, it felt like a, it felt like the top point. Now we've got two or three main events every year. It, it, it feels like too much. There's not a progressive building, clear set game plan of what they want to accomplish. There's so much filler thrown in there. And I know obviously wrestlers want to get their WrestleMania bonuses and everything. And I support that, but it, 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 it especially since WrestleMania 30, there has been, everything's being thrown against the wall. And especially this year with two nights that it's just, a bit too much now also jack one thing i'll say elias king corbin i'm not excited for the match like you said but i'm kind of excited to see if elias can still walk after what happened to him on smackdown dude he got murdered there was a chris remember lucha underground that's exactly what i thought he used to murder like legit murder people to write them off i thought that i thought that's what they were doing with elias they killed him i know that that that, (laughs) and admittedly actually got me a little interested to see (laughs) if elias is going to come out with a neck brace or something like that but for the rest of it, uh, yeah, I, I said on the last pod I was not otherwise not looking forward to that match, and it's an example of a match that just does not need to be in WrestleMania. I, I do think it's fair, you know, to the point that things haven't been great since 19, and, you know, I think Dave's point, he was really uh, echoing Bruce Prichard, who basically said, once Rock Austin 3 happened and Rock finally beat Austin, like, that that was the apex. Like, mm-hmm. where, where else are they going to go? And and it's been a slow trickle since then. But no, I mean, I, I'm going to disagree for this reason. Even just looking back to last year, we know that the finish of Winner Takes All wasn't exactly what we wanted. The You know, it didn't build properly. Becky didn't get clean. Ronda botched the finish, whatever. But there were clear, defined goals at WrestleMania 35. It was to get Becky Lynch and women's wrestling over and, and have a signature first ever women's main event. It was initially for Kevin Owens to win the championship, but then this grand moment for Kofi Kingston and others on that show. This year, again, if you just look at what the plan was, it was for Roman Reigns after basically being back for 15 months in remission from leukemia to finally get a big title win, originally over The Fiend and then Goldberg for no good reason. Um... And for Drew McIntyre to have a WrestleMania moment. And I'm not trying to downplay Drew McIntyre. I think all of us on this podcast now like him and hope he gets, hopes he becomes champion and gets elevated into a true main eventer. But Roman and Drew, it's kind of weak in comparison to Kofi and Becky, where last year we were like, oh my God, like this could be an epic WrestleMania. And I think through halfway of 34 and 35, they were on the way to epic WrestleManias. The shows got long. There were some things that happened we didn't like. Again, last year's finish was botched. But they had moments and plans and everything was outlined, Jack. And I just don't feel like that's the case this year. No, this is this is about as big. Because Chris is right about how, you know, it just doesn't feel like WrestleMania. Because, again, when you especially when you have two brands, it becomes, you know, a bit of a mess. 
This year, though, and yeah, you, you encompass everything. But even if you put aside having to move to the performance center, the build before this, it's a convoluted mess. Yeah, uh, that that's that's the best way to describe this. And it would have been the same had it been at Raymond James Stadium. I do think there again were some plans like the Lucha Fatal Four Way and Edge Orton. There are some things that WWE planned to be big for Mania, but. You see Aleister Black against Bobby Lashley, and we're not going to start there. This is just kind of my transition. And it seems like, if not for this, Aleister Black didn't have a match at WrestleMania. And that's after he had been built since November as someone to actually fear on Raw. And that, and look, Raw, you guys you guys both know, I am not overly critical on Raw. I think Paul Heyman's doing a great job, but it's by far better than SmackDown. But even using yes. that as an example, you kind of are saying, you know what, man? It'd be cool if Aleister Black had a WrestleMania moment. I know they were building the Lucha Fatal 4-Way, but maybe it should have been Andrade versus Aleister Black. Andrade's been U.S. champion for a while. Could have been Black's moment to win the title. So there's a lot of those things where it just feels like WWE was so invested in like making sure Goldberg had a spot and getting John Cena back that they kind of weren't really concerned with putting together a really good card filled with solid long-term storylines. Again, coronavirus be damned like this is throwing a wrench into stuff but it's just not enough of a wrench where they're not putting on the show and still having most of the matches as they were eventually scheduled um yeah but i want yeah, you know uh, you know uh, speaking of last year how what is that becky moment like if it's if it's a five-hour show instead of a seven-hour show as we were talking about things getting a bit too too much filler and stuff like that maybe that becky moment is a bigger deal if the crowd is there to to really enjoy what happened. And I know the, the finish was a little bit botched, but it still wasn't what it should have been. That also makes me wonder, just in general, what the effect of no fans is going to be. Are you going to be able to create a moment when you don't have the fans with her? And we're going to we're gonna wait and find out. That's true. I mean, even going back to Becky, had they swapped that and Kofi last year, the botch wouldn't have been nearly as memorable. The fans would have had more energy and they would have gotten up crazy for Kofi in the main event. But yeah. everyone, everyone was tired. The finish was botched. It was a stupid finish anyway, trying to make Rousey kind of come out clean, not really getting pinned and just kind of like Becky happening into the crucifix pin. It just didn't work. But we're going to get into this WrestleMania 36 card as promised, 16 matches. We'll kind of start. We already talked about it a little bit. Elias versus King Corbin. I think all of us would agree. And maybe you guys can tell me if I'm wrong. Least anticipated match on the card. Corbin. Uh, you know, I do think he he's better than a lot of people give him credit for. Elias has been completely worthless ever since he turned face after that insane heel heat he was getting. Uh, I don't care about the match. The only thing I care about, and uh, Chris, I'll pose the question to you. Do you see Gronk getting involved? Rob Gronkowski, the host of WrestleMania. Do you see him getting involved? Um, and if so, is that enough to make you kind of care about the match a little bit? I absolutely think he will get involved. It does not make me care any bit or more whatsoever <laughs> it's kind of what i just said but i i'm interested to see what what state elias is in as he comes out for the match but anything that else happens after that i'm i'm not too interested in jack am i wrong that the booking is actually for corbin to win yeah it is because here's the deal uh corbin did he did his job as the top heel on smackdown which is hey a prominent position for the guy especially right so soon after the move to fox you know Got dominated by Roman Reigns, who they were positioning for this top spot at WrestleMania at the time. Okay. So now it's time for Corbin to get that heat back. So to get that heat back, he's got to start getting wins in one way or another. And, and murdering people. <laughs> committing murder <laughs> at the same time. 
So he gets the he he's gonna get the win over Elias. I mean he has to, especially like again, he pushed him off of the freaking that Eagles nest thing they have down there in the performance center. Um and I think the post match the Gronk does get involved. It's a post-match angle after Corbin gets the win. That's what I think, too. I think you have to get Corbin his heat back. Not that he's not doesn't get heat. People hate him. I mean, he's a true heel. And I think people see the boos and, yeah, did the Roman Reigns thing go on too long? Absolutely. But people actually hate Corbin, and I love that. He's mm-hmm. a good wrestler. He's a unique skill set in the ring that other people – he does moves that people just don't do. He's different and unique, and he will be champion one day. I know people don't like hearing that. But Baron Corbin is going to be, or, or King Corbin, whatever you want to call him, is going to be a WWE or Universal Champion at some point. He'll yeah. be a transitional right. champion, a la like you know uh, Dolph Ziggler was for a short period of time, or someone like that. It's going to happen, and I'm excited to see it happen. But he, I do think he has that, the he has the best worked punch in the company. Yes, he does. yes, he does. And and his Bre- Bret Hart is proud. And his finisher and his setup are both really unique, good moves. I love him against little guys. He matches up great with little guys, uh, smaller guys. I, I, I just, I've never gotten that tag match, him and Rhino against uh, Gable and Jason <laughs> Jordan at NXT out of my head. It's just one of the most fun matches that I've seen in a long time. And then Gable flipping around, Corbin was perfect. Obviously, Gable's not in a position to do that now. But I, I generally like Corbin, yeah. He's a great yeah, heel. For sure, but I do agree with Jack. I do think Gronk gets involved after the match with Mojo. Don't know exactly what that looks like, but... Um, I think we're going to see a lot of Gronk, honestly. I think we're going to see him frequently Saturday and Sunday. This match not even, you know, included. I think I think he's going to be all over the TV, and whether that gets annoying or not, it probably will. But uh, I, I do think that Gronk is a major player uh, throughout the two-night WrestleMania. Moving on here, uh, Otis against Dolph Ziggler. Now, Jack, I know already said it's kind of – actually, I forgot which one of you said it, but kind of lost a little bit of luster. Not for me. Um, the thing I wonder about Otis and Ziggler, guys, is – I'm very curious as to whether fans have been following along and understand the entire angle. And I'm not trying to say that fans are stupid. That's not what I'm getting at. But WWE has done a very good job of building a long-term storyline here between Otis, Ziggler, and Mandy Moore. But it also involves Sonya Deville. And I don't know that a lot of people have actually picked up that Ziggler and Sonya kind of masterminded Otis not showing up on time, Ziggler taking his place because Sonya thinks Ziggler is a better fit for Mandy than Otis. And I feel like that's been lost on a lot of people and that WWE was legitimately building a well-thought-out, good storyline between someone who's not underused, but someone who doesn't get as many feature opportunities as we'd like in Ziggler and a guy in in Otis who has tons of charisma and the, the sky's the limit for him. I think they were doing a masterful job building a relationship storyline here that is a victim of the coronavirus circumstance where they didn't get to tell all the facets of the story that they planned. I thought Otis did an incredible job on SmackDown. I think it was last week, like crying in Tucker's arms, being really emotional about it. Ziggler being a total asshole backstage. And guys, like, I guess Mandy's going to be in Ziggler's corner during this match. I'm guessing something's going to happen where he like uses her as a shield. Otis protects her. She realizes who actually cares about her. And we do get the moment with Otis and Mandy at the end. I'm in, I'm into this match guys. I'm all in. I think Otis wins and I'm going to be really excited to see it. Jack, what about you? I think, cause like you, like you said, you know, the, the, the real villain here that, and they're, they're kind of making it obvious on TV is Sonya Deville, right? You just said, 
But are they making it obvious? That's what I'm asking you. I think they are, and I think they're okay. doing it on. Pur- I think they're doing it on purpose because I think the swerve here is Tucker. Because I think Tucker is going to be revealed to be getting a little annoyed. Otis cost him the elimination chamber. Otis cost him that match because of his temper a few weeks ago. Dolph Ziggler the other day was on the phone. I think he was on the phone with Tucker, not Sonya. Hmm. Tucker is good. He has every single right to tell Otis, I've had enough of this. And he could say, since we've come up to this, you've done nothing but ruin us. And especially lately, with your focus on Mandy Rose, you're killing us. And I've had enough of it. Tucker is going to be the one to come out of left field and cost Otis this. I mean, you're you're talking like attitude era storylines here. I don't know. No, no, it's not that more common common sense. sense. I like it. I like it. I love it. I love it. I just just say it's Tucker because, again, the guy has every right to be pissed off about this. So you got you. So you talked about Sonya being a villain. And I think they're in it. They're all in it together because they all have a reason to be. I think it's a good way to go because I think for a while it painted Mandy as a villain and it, and it kind of led to what happened last week. I, I, I was not comfortable with Mandy being portrayed as the villain because, you know, she should be able to date whoever she wants. And maybe she was a little mean to Otis or maybe Ziggler uh, came in and, and stuck it out. But then on Friday, Mandy clearly felt bad about what's happening, what was happening to Otis told Ziggler that she's not a prize to be won, which is an important thing to say, especially with the history of, especially with the history of wrestling. So I I do think it opens up for not what Jack said, but what I think a lot of other people are expecting, which is possibly Otis wins and he wins over Mandy and yada, yada, yada. But you know, that's something again, that would have been, you needed, you needed the crowd to do that. So maybe, maybe they delay this, hold it out for some time when you do have a crowd. But uh, I just thought that was important that they had Mandy say that because uh, she is not a prize to be won over. She is her own person. And it's, we need to, it, it needs to be, it needs to be stated in wrestling. It was a very smart addition for 2020 to make sure that they kind of said that there. And you know what? Um, a lot of people are rumor and it's not a stretch, but the rumor was that she was going to be the special guest referee for the match. That probably would have made a lot of sense, all mm-hmm. things considered. Uh, but they're not doing that now for one reason or another, maybe, not to have three people touching each other in a ring, although I guess that doesn't matter because we're going to have some tag matches and stuff coming up later that we're going to talk about. But uh, one reason or another, they went away from that if that was true. I don't know, guys. I'm excited to see it. What I'm not totally excited to see is Aleister Black against Bobby Lashley because it is true. This is literally just a filler match. There's no storyline whatsoever. They just threw it on the show. They haven't even built it at all on either of the last two Raws since it's been announced. The only positive here, though, and I will say it's a legitimate positive. I'm going to guess we're all in agreement that Alistair Black's going to win. Um, but the positive is it gives Black a big win on a big stage. Because Bobby Lashley, despite him not being booked well, the Rusev thing just kind of disappeared and Lashley was forgotten about and, you know, so on. He's still a formidable dude. He can work. And beating him is not nothing. He's a former champion in WWE. So I like that Black is at least getting the WrestleMania opportunity and is going to get over Lashley. You know, I don't know what else there really is to say about it. I'm hoping everyone's in agreement there. But Chris, I mean, I think it is at least a positive that they found a way to get him on the show. 
Quick question. Are we making picks on these? Because we kind of have and haven't. I don't know. Should we be making uh, picks? Yeah, no, we should be making picks. So well, let's run through real quick. So Corbin and Otis for me so far. Jack, what about you? I got uh, Corbin and Ziggler. All right. Corbin, what about you, Chris? Corbin and Otis. All right. Now keep going. So as it relates to Alistair Black and Bobby Lashley, I, I think it's it's fine considering they're going to do two nights. You, you needed to fill some stuff up make Alistair Black look good, whatever. What I would have preferred this to be on this card, and we don't need to, comes into play later with The Undertaker, I would have preferred Undertaker and Alistair Black together in a two-on-three handicap match against the OC. I I don't know if, I I think the Boneyard match will get around the problems you have with The Undertaker doing a full match, but I think that would maybe have given Alistair Black a bit of a bigger rub than than a win, a forgettable win over Bobby Lashley. Uh, I do have faith that they know what they have in him and they have plans for him and and he's not going to get buried anytime soon or anything like that, but uh, you know, we're not excited for this match for obvious reasons, and I think that would have been a way to get him excited. I think Alistair Black wins this easily. And, man, that Bobby Lashley-Rusev thing really, and Lana thing, really just kind of faded away, didn't it? We never really got a resolution to that. Makes me even more angry, or makes me even angrier that they had to toss Liv Morgan into that then. Makes it even, doesn't no make reason. it seem even more stupid? Yeah. Looking no back reason. in hindsight? But, Je- no, what about, I, what's your no, I'll, what's I'll your echo, echo the sentiments here. But Alistair Black wins, because it... it if I could take any solace out of this, it's that it's, it's it's clear. And we've talked about this so many times, Adam. There are big plans for Aleister Black. And I'm talking big plans yes. where I'm not even sure he's ever going to hold a mid-card title. I yeah, don't even I think agree. he's ever going to be U.S. champion. He's going to be the WWE champion. Th- that's that's the first title he's going to hold. There are huge plans for this guy. So, I don't know, seven to eight minutes, kicks Blash- Lashley in the head, and we're out of there. I do think there is a raw six being formed akin to the SmackDown six that Paul Heyman had when he took over that show. I think it was in 2003. And there's no doubt in my mind that Aleister Black is one of those six um, in that group. Uh, Let's moving on to the women's tag team championship. I'm throwing it here because, again, it honestly, the match just got made. You could have seen it coming from a mile away. But you have the Kabuki Warriors. Kyrie Sane reportedly will be back and able to compete, defending the titles for the first time in months against Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross. I don't have much of an issue with this match happening. Um, there are a ton of women's tag teams potentially on SmackDown. They don't really exist the same on Raw. So the titles are multi-brand. They're supposed to go back and forth, but they haven't really done that recently. I think Bliss and Cross getting the opportunity here is fine. I don't like how it happened. We discussed that already. I'm not going to go through it again on Bliss beating Asuka clean. What a joke. Um, but... <laughs> But but besides that, I think this is a situation where you do have Kyrie Sane in the match. I think she takes the pinfall um, and Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross win the titles, take them over to SmackDown and now have a ton of people that they can start feuding with on that show. Women's tag teams or, or tag teams that can be put together with women where now they get, you know, more of a more TV time, I would say. And then back to Raw, you have a Raw women's division that's kind of weak. All of a sudden, you have Asuka and Kyrie Sane as singles performers again, and that's injecting some life into that division. So I have the titles changing hands here. Um, I don't necessarily love it because I do love the Kabuki Warriors and I do love Asuka, but I have the title change here. Jack, what about you? Yeah, title change definitely for, I mean, but there's no really, that's the thing I hate about this match. I'd like, I'm serious. They're just going to do the title change for the sake of doing a title change. There's no like, underlying it 
there's no storyline. Right. I mean, there's a small one, but it, no, they're just gonna they're gonna do a wrestling match. They're gonna do a title change, and huh, that's that. Hey, honestly, yeah, that's it. Yeah, there, there's no there's no animosity here either. You know, Asuka was involved in some more things that had some energy to them, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think Bliss and uh, Bliss Cross, you know, with yeah. the belts is a good. Uh, they were good with the belts last time around. They're still good together. I think Bliss is obviously better as a heel, and maybe we'll get to that at some point. But Adam, you you laid out all the reasons why it makes sense for it to change, and uh, and yeah, with Jack, you you wish there could have been some yeah. some energy and some just passion behind this, but it was another one that was thrown together at the last minute. We're well, just, I, we're just continually reminded at times, be it, you know, it inadvertently or on purpose that Vince didn't want these in the first place. Yeah, You're always reminded like, of that. Like he didn't want, he wanted nothing to do with these. He didn't want them in the first place. And then like, just when you think, okay, elevation, then it, you're reminded. No, really. They don't really mean much. That, that's true. But let's be fair. Also, there would have been four <laughs> women's matches on the show. And if they did it in Tampa, there would have been five, including uh, the battle Royals. So it's a lot of women's representation. And I will also be fair in saying that. Did they start this feud late? Yes. But Bliss started calling out the Kabuki Warriors about five weeks ago. That She did it on a live SmackDown, like in front of fans. So it's while that all was happening, number one. And number two, had coronavirus not happened or had it not affected us in this way, I think there would have been greater development with the Kabuki Warriors being on SmackDown, developing the feud and making it happen. So this is one match that I feel is a little bit of a victim of circumstance here. Uh, moving on, though, to the Raw Tag Team Championship. Street Profits uh, have the titles. They're going to be defending first against Angel Garza and Andrade. And then Andrade breaks, or, or maybe not breaks, but seriously injures his ribs uh, in a TV match, a throwaway TV match with Garza to kind of get them together as a team and introduce them to fans. So now it's Angel Garza and 22-year-old Austin Theory, Jack. Tell me about Theory and does his involvement now make you more excited for this match? It does, and it actually it changed. But you know, I was doing our picks for CBS Sports today, and I, I I'll say in there, spoiler alert, it changed my mind. Uh, you know, on Andrade Garza against the Street Profits, I had the Street Profits retaining. Now I have Garza in theory winning, and I have Zelina Vega now because by happenstance and you know, unfortunate, unfortunate injury to Andrade, which doesn't seem like it's going to sideline him for months. It was just they couldn't clear him when he walked into the building because the ribs were too banged up. If it was taped Sunday, honestly, if they were airing it yeah. live Sunday, he may have been able to compete. It fell into their laps now where Zelina Vega, who is very good at what she does, can lead a trio of young guys. Andrade's young, by the way. P. I know he does, he's he's only 30. The dude is young, even though he's been doing this for a while. Now you give Zelina Vega a little trio, and all of them are draped in championships. And as far as people who would say, well, it's too early for Theory to walk around with a title, it's not a singles title. He's not really taking much away if you slap it on him right now. It's a raw tag team champ. It's one of two tag team championships the company has. There's nothing wrong with that, especially if you're going to put him in a stable with Zelina Vega. I think they're going to win it. I, I, I don't. I, I think the Street Profits are quite over. They're still on the rise. They got a really good thing going there. I don't think they, they I don't know if hot shots the word, but throw titles on 
two guys that we've barely seen uh, on actual Monday Night Raw for them to suddenly be the Raw Tag Team Champions. They've done crazier stuff, I guess, especially when it comes to tag match uh, tag teams. But I think they're really they know what they have in the Street Profits. They really like what they have there. I think they think this is just I think this is probably a pretty short match and the Street Profits go over and continue their rise as a tag team. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to side with Chris here. There, I see zero chance, 0.0, market zero, uh, that they change the titles here. Austin Theory just got to NXT. Granted, Angel Garza kind of just got to NXT also. But Austin yeah. Theory just got to NXT. He's 22. He's in a feud with Tyler Breeze. He, this is an opportunity. He just, right place, right time. He was probably in the Performance Center or lives in that apartment complex that they all have nearby the Performance Center. Yeah, and I think said, he hey, does. Hey, hey, who wants to, you know, do this. I need someone. And they're like, Hey, why don't we bring Austin theory? Give him an opportunity. That's the only reason he's in this match. Um, it's, it's great. Like good for him. Awesome. I'm glad he's getting the opportunity, but street profits retain the titles here. I do think it's a short match, but I think this match has an opportunity to not so much steal the show, but be a shocker where a couple of years from now we're saying, Hey, do you remember like in that performance center, WrestleMania where Montez Ford, Austin theory and angel Garza, no offense, whatsoever to Angelo Dawkins. But where those three guys were in a random raw tag team match, I think we're going to be talking about this years down the line. Um, Do you think that's possible, though, with with no fans to really have a show stealer without without near falls that get the crowd cheering, without this is awesome, without holy... Did you see the the back bump that uh, Ford just took on Monday night? Right, but I'm just saying, is it... Are we going to... It's really not specific to this match, but any match, are we going to have huge match moments when we don't have the crowd there to bring the energy. I'm, I'm not sure. Maybe, maybe, maybe they'll surprise us, but I'm a bit skeptical. No, that no, any of matches are going to be like stuff. We're going to remember. Honestly, I, I think honestly, it's what you make of it. Like if a match makes me, if something happens in a match that makes me go, Holy shit, we're stand up and, and just, you know, there, there are things that happen in wrestling where just, you're like, Oh my God, I can't believe I just saw that. Right. Um, including honestly, Gargano and Champa a couple weeks ago, they were on the perch and I, I forgot the move that Champa did, but he, he threw Gargano off the perch and slammed him into a table, like 12 foot, 12 feet down. I said, Holy shit. Like I, st- I was like, I couldn't believe I just saw it. So those moments are going to happen. It's just, you're not going to have the fans helping you along with it while you're mm-hmm. watching from home. It just has to be internal. Yeah. That's how you I, know, that's I, 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 I think back to that halftime heat, empty arena match. I guess that does stick out on my mind for a lot of spots as well. So, you know, maybe. All right. We do have a DM slide here, though, before we move on from Odie Lee, O-D-Y-L-E-E, at King of King 771 on Twitter. He said, is Andrade in danger of getting de-pushed with his suspension and subsequent injury? What do the next 12 months look like for him? Uh, I'm going to answer. You guys can tell me whether you agree or disagree. Uh, no, he's not going to get de-pushed. Uh, Andrade, again, when you talk about what I said a minute ago, I think Paul Heyman has like the Heyman six for Raw, just like he did for SmackDown. Andrade is one of those six. And what do the next 12 months look like for him? Well, if Drew McIntyre ends up winning the title, either Sunday night or at some point, I think Andrade is going to be in a world title match sometime in the next 12 months. And I wouldn't be surprised if he's WWE champion inside of the next 12 months. Jack, what about you? No, I, I agree. I was actually going to say that. Like, the dude's going to be WWE champion within the next 12-month period. You know, no matter what the landscape looks like, he's going to be there. No, Andrade's going to be fine. Look, people need to stop ta- People need to stop taking these wellness test things 
too seriously. <laughs> let, let me like let me explain. They're not getting popped for sticking needles in their asses like they're Ivan Drago. Okay, they're getting <laughs> popped like like, so, like case in point. Samoa Joe did not get pop, did not pop for that. I can ninety nine percent guarantee you that. Okay, they're taking these supplements and they're coming. It's they're probably not even mad at the guys. They're saying, yeah. "Look, we got to send you on a thirty day vacation. We're really sorry we got to do it, but you know, there's no way well, around it." It's a supplement where it's a masking agent or, it's, yeah, you know, like, it's something like that. You know, Adderall. No, I, I just I still see too many people again. Like I said, like they're sticking needles. No, that's not the case. But no, he'll be he'll be fine. Um, matter of fact, it's almost it, it, sometime this summer. Yeah, he'll drop that U.S. title and then it'll be on to bigger and better. If in a perfect world, like if you put the pieces of the puzzle together, he'd be a perfect SummerSlam opponent for Drew. Absolutely. Perfect. In fact. That's that's kind of what I was saying. I, I would have really have loved if he had dropped the U.S. title to Mysterio or Carrillo or, in my booking, Andrade, Alistair Black, drop it to Black, yeah. and then you elevate Andrade, and then you have Black drop the title eventually, and then you elevate Black. That's kind of where I was going with it. All right, moving on here. SmackDown Tag Team Championship. We have The Miz and Morrison defending their titles against New Day and The Usos in a ladder match. So the one positive I'm really going to say here is making it a ladder match because they took a match that granted all six competitors I care immensely about. You tell me that the New Day and Usos are in a tag team match at WrestleMania. I'm in. I don't need Miz and Morrison, but the fact that they're there and John Morrison can do some crazy shit, like, great. That's even better. Um, So I don't need to really be sold on this other than there was basically no storyline here. I didn't care much about it. The Elimination Chamber match was great. Maybe they should have done a match like that at WrestleMania. That would have been super exciting. So the fact that they at least made it a ladder match at WrestleMania, to me, makes me care about it, Chris. What about you? Uh, I'm kind of in I'm in the spot where you said, if this was just New Day and Usos, I would be more excited for it. It, and wasn't that the case at 34? Wasn't it Usos, New Day, and the Bludgeon Brothers in there as well? And I think the Bludgeon Brothers won. Um it, I'm also ladder matches in in WWE have become quite violent with ladder spots. And I'm just hoping that with no crowd to react to such things, as Jack mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, that there aren't two dangerous bumps when there are when there's going to be a crowd to to not react to it. So I'm going to say. Miz and Morrison retain. And this is another one I think maybe having no crowd changes the results because um, I think the other two would have gotten huge fan reactions for winning. So I'm going to say Miz and Morrison, and I just hope everybody's okay. I, I'll just say Miz and Morrison retain. I'll I'll say Morrison and Miz retain. I'm going to go title change here. I'm going to say the Usos win. I think uh, it would, I think, put them equal with New Day in terms of title reigns, tag team title reigns, um, which could pay dividends Later down the line, maybe WrestleMania 37 when we finally get a one-on-one match at the big show. But Miz and Morrison, I don't mind them having the titles. I thought re- them retaining it at Chamber going in as heel champions was the right decision. But I don't think you take them into WrestleMania as heel champions if you're not going to have a face win the title. So, yes, maybe this is a, one of those matches where the plans changed because it's in the performance center. Yeah, but, I was just going to say, I but, agree. With what, this, this could definitely be on that list you asked about at the beginning yeah. of the show of something that changed. But I do think the Usos just came back. They're hot. People like them. I think it's a good opportunity for them to take the titles. SmackDown Women's Championship. Bailey coming in as champion in a five-way elimination match 
against Lacey Evans, Naomi, Tamina, and Sasha Banks. Now, the, the thing that stands out to me most here, guys, is actually that we don't have Carmella in this match. And I think it's pretty clear with Corey Graves also not being on commentary, they both decided not to participate. And that's fine. But by nature of that happening, and I believe Dana Brooke either had reportedly had some symptoms, so they told her not to compete as well. She was supposed to be in the match, and it was supposed to be a six-way. We have the people I just mentioned in this match. Tamina, I think we can all agree, complete throwaway, right? So now you're dealing with four women, Bailey, Lacey, Naomi, and Sasha Banks. And the question is, who comes out of this with the women's championship? I see two avenues for them to go. One, Bailey retaining the title, and she either helps someone else eliminate Sasha earlier in the match, or like is standoffish, like throws her hands up and doesn't help Sasha win. Lacey's pinning her or something like that. The other way is Sasha Banks winning the title and doing so in a situation where she like helps Bailey take out Lacey and then rolls her up from behind and wins the title. But to me, if I'm booking the damn territory, I'm saving a Sasha Banks women's championship uh, win for SummerSlam in Boston. And the way I'm booking this is I'm having Bailey retain the title and stop dro- you know, dropping some seeds in there of dissension in the ranks between Bailey and Sasha Banks. What about you guys? Yeah, I think that second scenario is probably right. I, I would much rather, this is just me personally, I'd rather Sasha wins, Bailey, she becomes, she stays heel, Bailey becomes a face. I'm still not, ba- Bailey heel is, it's fine, but if we're going to get Bailey Sasha, which is what it seems like we're probably going to get out of this match as a feud moving forward, I really would like them to be in their proper heel face uh, spaces where, 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 they, where they excel the best. And But but SummerSlam in Boston, that Sasha, she'll get cheered. Do you change that? I don't know. I mean, we, we all know this match is coming down to Bailey Sasha in some form. That's the storyline here. I'm going to say I'm going to say Bailey retains. No, I'll I'll agree. I think it comes down to Bailey and Sasha, the, the last two. And I I also agree that SummerSlam in Boston is the one on one match. Um, to, Now, to, to fantasy book a little bit like like we can do with the piggyback. I think that what you do is you have Bailey cheat to beat Sasha on That's Saturday or Sunday. Too. And then what you can do from there is have when Sasha is good goes, hey, man, what the hell have Bailey kind of be like, well, I learned from the best. Like, ah, I learned everything from you, buddy. And Sasha's kind of like, oh, well, shit. Now I got to do something about this. I created a monster. Now, a monster who screwed me over now. And then you'll get that slow burn Sasha face turn just in time for Boston to go bonkers for her. So that's but definitely Bailey beating Sasha. They're the last two in the match. And then. Hope hopefully we have a SummerSlam in Boston. And so you have ba- I like that you have Bailey being Sasha at the end of the match. I do think that's possible <laughs> yeah. with like a roll up, like what we're talking about, like what feet on the ropes, any anything. Or anything but delicious. or or I love the I, I, what I really like of the idea is Bailey eliminating or Bailey not stopping someone else from eliminating Sasha because they're going to work together clearly for most of the match. That's going to be part of the storyline. But her not being there to help Sasha, Sasha getting eliminated, and then it's like. Where you threatened of me, you thought you, you thought I, clearly I would beat you if it was us one on one, and so on. So I do think that is a possibility. Just another opportunity, though, this match for me to say Lacey Evans does not work as a heel. She does not work as a face. 
she's not good. Okay. Moving I actually on. think she's fine. As, I think she's a fine heel, but that's me. She's like yeah. she can she can be she can become a Corbin heel, but uh, she can be a she can be a fine heel, but as of right now, she's been over pushed, and I've seen way too much of her for being as green as she is. I just I don't like her at all. Uh, Intercontinental Championship, Sami Zayn defending his newly won title against Daniel Bryan. It's so interesting to see this match, right? A couple years ago, or really last year, if you saw this match, you would have said, Daniel Bryan's going in as a heel. Uh, Sami Zayn, huge face entering this match. You know, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens. Two fan favorites, right? And you still really do have two fan favorites, but you have Sami Zayn in this new heel role that is getting over as all hell, right? It's it's fantastic. Um, I don't really know what's going to happen. So what I'm going to do is let you guys both go first. I'm going to try to piggyback on whoever I think is the most right. So Jack, why don't we start with you? Daniel Bryan, Sami Zayn, WWE Intercontinental Championship. You know, this is what I thought about for a little, maybe maybe a little bit longer than I should have to begin with. Like I was stuck on Bryan winning, you know, crowd or no crowd. But probably right now, Chris, I'm going to say Sammy retains. And because I like I like the aspect of him actually being coachable by Drew Gulak. And I could see Brian dropping this match somehow. Maybe he he could even get screwed over, but dropping the match and then Gulak coaches him to the Intercontinental title at some point. Because I think ultimately, like this, at first I thought the Brian Gulak pairing was long term and maybe tag team championship material, but I think long, long term, we're going to get Daniel Bryan versus Drew Gulak for the Intercontinental Championship in a much longer match that more time they were allowed, allowed than they were at Elimination Chamber. So I think we're going to we're going to we're going to keep this going a little bit. Sammy retains. Gulak tries to coach Bryan back to the Intercontinental title. Eventually does. And then Gulak wants his turn, but so the, the, no no, tri- no title change this weekend. So so this was the match I said at the beginning. I think it was one that may have been changed by everything going on. And the reason why is a little not meta, but just kind of outside of kayfabe. That uh, Daniel Bryan probably the idea of Daniel Bryan winning the Intercontinental Championship. Fan engagement is part of that. We don't have fans. Daniels has clearly been spending his time over the last few months picking guys he likes, trying to put them, get them over, put them over as best he can. And I think he probably sees the situation and says, no, I think Sammy should hold on to the belt. Maybe I take it later. Let him have a bit of a run with it. Daniel Bryan doesn't need the Intercontinental Championship right now. I love the stuff he's doing with Gulak. Maybe Sammy wins and, and, and Brian trains Gulak to be the one to take it from Zane or something like that. I, I think there's different ways we can go. We trust Daniel Bryan to put guys in the right position. And I think he I could very much see him saying that I think Sammy should hold on to this. I'm not going to gain anything from having the belt. And and you can continue to build the story. I think there's still a lot that they can do with with this the the, the, the three Cesaro Nakamura Zane with Brian and Gulak and maybe Chad Gable gets thrown in there because he was tweeting about it. Uh, I I think there's a lot they can do with these guys. I would like to see this continuing and no title change, I think is the best way to keep that going. So I say Zane retains. Yeah, I'm still, oh man, I'm, I'm really on the fence here. I don't like to kind of not have a, an answer on one hand. I can certainly see Brian winning the title uh, and thanking Gulak for kind of helping him get to this point. Um, on the other hand, I kind of see Sami Zayn as someone who, just got the title and has been someone we've been waiting 
to get this opportunity for quite some time. And I don't necessarily want to see him give it up right away. The other thing is Daniel Bryan and Drew Gulak have made a very good team. And Chris, as you said, I would love, love to see Chad Gable get involved and maybe Daniel Bryan become the coach of both of them and coach them to a tag team title. Or if they don't add Chad Gable, Bryan and Gulak as a team, you know, working into that tag team title picture on SmackDown. So if you're going to do that with Bryan, then you're not going to give him the Intercontinental Championship. So I'm going back and forth. I'm going to lean because I have so many other matches where I don't have title changes happening. I'm going to lean with Daniel Bryan taking the title here. Maybe it's a quick change. Maybe Sami Zayn gets it back in another month or so. Um, but I think it's WrestleMania. It's it's Brian Zane. He does have Gulak watching his back. That should be able to eliminate, you know, Nakamura from interfering. I think it's Damn enough. numbers game. I think it's enough for Brian to to retain. But we'll see. I, the one thing I am confident about it's going to be a good match and it's going to be well booked because Daniel Bryan's involved and he has a lot of sway these days getting things his way. Rolling into another singles match without a title here, Kevin Owens against. Seth Rollins and Chris, this has really gone on for a long, long time. There have been so many machinations of this feud. We've seen the Vikings Raiders involved, Samoa Joe, Aleister Black, the Street Profits, AOP certainly and Murphy, along with Seth Rollins and his new Monday Night Messiah um, persona here. It has gotten to the point where I think had they executed this about a month ago, it would have been hot fire. I feel like they got it started a little bit too early. Nevertheless, promos two weeks ago from Seth Rollins and this past week from Kevin Owens really, really sold me on this match. This is another match where, and it's really the last one outside of you know the ones I mentioned earlier. It's really the only other one where I don't necessarily know who is going to win because on one hand, we do have Seth Rollins who kind of needs a win. You know, he just lost the title to The Fiend. He's been going back and forth, winning and losing matches with the number of people I just mentioned. Um, and he has just started this Monday Night Messiah persona that is getting over and is maybe some of the best character work he's done in his career. On the other hand, you have Kevin Owens, who was supposed to win the WWE title last year at WrestleMania 35. Obviously, that match never happened. Uh, and now he's in this feud with Rollins. He's brought the stunner back. He's a face. And it's WrestleMania and faces usually win. And, and it kind of feels like where Seth has been such a bad guy in this feud that it's maybe time for Owens to win and end it and for them to move on. I just don't really know what direction WWE is going to go in. I'm wondering if you have a more uh, solid idea than I do. Yeah, I mean, I think both of these guys really need the win for, for the reasons that, that you said. Um I'm also, I have faith in these guys to exit. This is a singles match. We have no uh, stipulations, nothing weird like a boneyard. But of, of almost anybody on the roster outside of maybe Dan O'Brien, th these are two of the guys I trust to make something out of an empty arena match. These guys who obviously have such a long indie history and are, are, are used to performing in front of small, tiny, no crowds and making the most of it. So I, I expect this match to be a really, really good match, not only for their obviously talent in the ring, but, but their experience as well. And I, I mean, I, I saw WWE posted a graphic of, of Seth Rollins and said the, the quote from him, I'm never like off on WrestleMania. He's always among his best. He wins titles. He has uh, he, stuff like that. Cash in money in the bank. It's he, they are positioning him as a new Mr. WrestleMania. Uh, but 
you know, he really, really took shots at Owens to, to, to have done nothing on the biggest stage. And they really set it up for if there was a crowd, I think you'd have the crowd hugely behind Owens in this moment. And I'm going to go with Kevin Owens. I, 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 Wait, hold on. I'm rethinking this as I'm saying it. <laughs> I think Seth Rollins wins via shenanigans. So Kevin Owens still has a case to make moving forward and Seth Rollins still gets his win. I just changed that mid thought. That's where I think it's going to go. I, I think you can stretch this out and maybe give Kevin Owens his his moment, perhaps in front of a crowd uh, that they've been building here, because I think they have built it really well the last two weeks Two really good promos, set it up in a way that makes you want Owens to win. But maybe they they try to throw some more logs in the fire to keep it burning for a little bit until they can get a better payoff. I'm going to balance you out here then because I was kind of leaning Rollins a little bit, but I'm going to, I'm going to switch it up. You actually convinced me that it is Kevin Owens who needs to win because WWE through the storylines, through the promos the last couple of weeks, they really have built it that Rollins is WrestleMania, Mr. WrestleMania or the new Mr. WrestleMania. And you stole that take from me from our Tuesday show. So I'm not going to, I said, I did, I did. I'm not going to let you get away with that, but uh, he is becoming that, but you know what? Shawn Michaels as Mr. WrestleMania. He didn't always win. In fact, I think most of the time he lost, right? Probably. <laughs> and, and and that is kind of the situation that Seth Rollins finds himself in. He had a huge moment uh, last year at WrestleMania. Yes, did they, you know, surprisingly give it to us at the beginning of the show? Sure. But this is a guy who has beat Brock Lesnar twice, you know, inside of the last calendar year. He doesn't really need a moment. Kevin Owens needs a moment. And as we talked about on that Tuesday show, you know, Owens... He's, and I hate to keep using the term, I think I've already said it twice today, but he's been very much a victim of circumstance in WWE where things have been planned for him that have not really come to fruition. And I think he needs the boost of beating Seth Rollins and maybe not necessarily being the number one face on Raw. Certainly if McIntyre beats Lesnar, he will be the number one face on Raw. But being a main event level face, uh, he deserves to be in that role. He works well as a face. He's better as a heel, but he's doing fine. Uh, and this is really an opportunity for WWE to put him over, have him overcome the obstacles that Rollins has kind of laid out in front of him. And I do think, ultimately, I'm convincing myself here. I'm making it work. We're going to see Kevin Owens beat Seth Rollins at WrestleMania 36. We're going to. So we we have, so we have the same thought, just a different ending. Yeah, when you convinced end, me. The, you convinced me to the <laughs> other to the other. I convinced direction. me and then yeah. changed my mind, and you went with it. Yeah, no, no, you you got me there. That that's that's where I'm going to lean with Kevin Owens. Um, we do have the first of a couple matches that look like they may not take place in the Performance Center. Uh, and that is The Undertaker against AJ Styles in a Boneyard match. And we did a good job, I think, on Tuesday breaking down the reasons why Taker is working so well um, in this feud, primarily because of the go-home promo, right? The fact that we saw Big Evil Taker not Undertaker, you know, Prince of Darkness type of situation. We saw the guy who, yes, is actually going to stand up for his wife, where the un other Undertaker really wouldn't give two shits, right? Like, that's not what that character is all about. We saw Mark, the, the version closest to the real Mark Calloway, and certainly they are breaking kayfabe, um, using Alan Jones to talk about AJ Styles here. Ultimately, though, I think the location of this match pretended itself to, or portends itself, I'm sorry, to the Undertaker winning, because I don't see how you have a Boneyard match and make it 
so that AJ Styles beats The Undertaker. Styles is also in a position in WWE these days where he is so incredibly over and so well-liked across the board that any loss he suffers is basically meaningless. He can get pinned on Raw. He can get pinned by a Cedric Alexander. It doesn't matter what you do to AJ Styles. He is basically untouchable right now. And as a heel, he is that smarmy, annoying, you know, guy who you don't want to see win. Some heels you want to see win. If, if Rollins beats Owens, I'd be happy about it. I would not be happy as a fan or a wrestling quote unquote analyst seeing Styles beat The Undertaker here. I don't think it make, would make a shred of sense. If you're going to have someone beat The Undertaker in a match like a Boneyard match, which we technically don't even know what it is. We just assume it's going to be filmed in a graveyard or a graveyard-like situation. It's Aleister Black. It's The Fiend. It's not AJ Styles. So for me, Chris, it is a clear win for Taker. And I also think by them using this stipulation, using this location-based match, they're going to be able to do a lot of editing in post. It's going to make it look really cool. And I think The Undertaker is going to be put in a position to look strong, better than he has over the last two or three years where he's been able to come back since that loss to Reigns at WrestleMania, but hasn't necessarily, you know, been the best version of himself, even at this age. Yeah, I mean, I absolutely agree with everything you said there. I'm both this and the Firefly Firefly Funhouse. I hope they make it kind of campy and really kind of go all out and really lean into this. I think you can have a lot of fun with it to try to make it memorable. And then, yeah, Undertaker goes over. And, and you're right. I don't, AJ Styles doesn't lose anything by losing this match. I also think he doesn't really gain much at this point because if another, if AJ Styles beats Undertaker, that more than anything, I think devalues the other two Undertaker losses at WrestleMania. And yeah, the streak's been broken and he lost again to Roman Reigns, but it's still matters and you still want that to mean something i think undertaker wins here i'm sh- i'm sure the oc gets involved somehow and try to have some fun with it and and uh you know a simple straightforward result and folks go their separate ways and aj keeps doing what he's doing i mean there's certainly a huge difference between and, and people may disagree with it but there there seems to be a huge difference for me between i don't know what his record is but 23 and 2 and 23 and 3 and you're right you want the Brock Lesnar uh, win to stand out as the first time the Undertaker lost. And you still want that Roman Reigns match to mean something, like you said. And just throwing AJ Styles on top of it, it's really not the way Taker should go out. The way Taker should go out, if he goes out at Mania, is by doing the job to an Aleister Black-like person. Someone who is really going to benefit from it long-term, Jack. Uh, what do you think about kind of how this match plays out? You know, I say this every year to you. I always have one outside-the-box pick. This year, AJ wins. I'm really? going with AJ Styles to win the match. Okay. Um, Break it down. Well, I thought and I did put a little bit of thinking to, towards it. Um, in this empty arena setting, especially, and with Taker being willing to do whatever it takes for this company, I think he likes AJ enough where he's going to give him the win in this, and this program is going to continue for a little bit. Especially with Undertaker mentioning the unholy trinity that kind of had everybody thinking, wait a minute, is he bringing like his own duo of guys in to help combat Gallows and Anderson? I think the empty arena settings, which are, you know, if WWE is allowed to tape past WrestleMania, it gives him the opportunity to extend this program a little bit. And with the streak being nothing but a memory now and just something we talk about, 
Undertaker could eat the he could eat the loss, and you you can I and look I don't know how you can do it, but you know being a heel there's a lot of ways and there's ways WWE could surprise us. But AJ Styles wins this match, and this program continues just a little bit longer. I just have a I, I have a feeling, and like I said, I always have one outside the box pick that's going to make you go whoa. AJ winning this match is that one for me this year. All right. Now, breaking the fourth wall just a tad, Jack did have to step away uh, from the prior match that we were discussing. So, Jack, real quick, Kevin Owens, Seth Seth Rollins, who's your winner? And very quick, why? Oh, Kale. Um, Kale, simply because, you know, everyone's doing it, Seth included, is doing a good job of, you know, kind of stating the obvious that, you know, Kale, his WrestleMania record, it hasn't really been that great. And a win over Seth Rollins for a multi-time universal champion, WWE champion. That'll put Kevin on the right track. So I, I think it's a no-brainer on this one. Kevin gets the win. Absolutely. All right, moving on. We're going to start getting into some title matches and really the biggest matches on the show. How many do we have left? One, two, three, four, six matches left. These are the main events, as we like to say. We're going to start with the NXT Women's Championship. Rhea Ripley, only 23 years old, defending against Charlotte Flair, the winner of the Women's Royal Rumble. Now, you could tell me that the booking calls for Charlotte Flair to beat Rhea Ripley, I would not be surprised one bit. Flair, they obviously give every opportunity they possibly can to, uh, and she is very quickly making a run up the uh, charts, I guess, to her father's world title record, or at least the one that WWE recognizes. Certainly, it's probably like seven more uh, than the one that WWE actually counts. But guys, I don't know, man. I I think the reason this match is on the card, at least in my opinion, is twofold. One, Rhea Ripley is going to be an all-timer in WWE. By the time her career is over, there's a chance, I'm not necessarily saying she's going to be better or going to be remembered as greater uh, than Flair or Lynch or any of them. But she has the opportunity to be, you know, like the John Cena to The Rock and Steve Austin, like that next huge star that WWE creates from their women's wrestlers. And I don't think that you have her make her debut at WrestleMania, have put the NXT title on WrestleMania for a WWE superstar, uh, quote unquote, main roster superstar to just go take the title from her a month and a half after she won it. So for me, Rhea Ripley retains the NXT Women's Championship, gets a huge win over Charlotte Flair. And again, Charlotte, like AJ Styles, is someone that can take a loss and not suffer whatsoever. Uh, Jack, what about you? See, I know know what's crazy. It's it's crazy that some people may think that this would be outside the box, but I think Charlotte wins. And I think it's very easy to do it. I mean, you're not wrong in what you say. Like, you can't prop her up on that pedestal like they did. And then just have her drop the title, but I think you could. And I think I mean they they, they I think it's the a locker, good story. Jack, they ha- emptied the locker room out to cheer for her. Having someone like Charlotte Flair though be the heel to knock her off that pedestal and then force her to climb her way back. Like we're not talking about a current NXT. We're not talking about a current like NXT woman involved in an NXT storyline where Rhea has to fight back to get her title. We're talking about Charlotte Flair here. Who were some people already consider the greatest of all time, and probably will be when she's all done. You go on WrestleMania, and plus Rhea, every time we see her, she's feeling herself. You know, kind of like the Becky Lynch, she's kind of feeling herself. Like she knows what she is. Charlotte, even if she even if she has to cheat to do it, will show her you're not as good as you think you are. 
and you get a little bit plus hey hell everything's at the performance center anyway charlotte's not technically going back down to nxt few Charlotte appearances here. I don't know, maybe th- th- whatever, if they're able to have a SummerSlam takeover or something, tell that story of Rhea saying, okay, you know what? Maybe it was a little too much too soon. How do I beat the best? How do I beat her? And you do that. I don't think it's really that much of a stretch to say Charlotte wins this. I do like the idea of her taking the title and then defending it. At, you know, she, uh, She's like, hey, I went to your house. I went to WrestleMania. Now come to my house. Um, Rhea is saying, hey, and come to TakeOver in Toronto or wherever the hell summer or Boston, sorry, uh, take over Boston and defend it here and then wins the title back from her. That could work, but I just don't feel like the NXT women's title or really any of the NXT titles need elevation. And if they did, I don't necessarily know that Charlotte Flair is the one to do it. Chris, what about you? You know, Jack makes a good case, but I, I think this is Rhea Ripley easily. I, I don't think I have zero doubt whatsoever that she's going to retain. They've continued to build her up for all the reasons that Adam already said, like, you know, everybody coming into the ring to lift her up. They are building her into, they are trying to build her into a megastar. Charlotte's already there. A win over Charlotte will get Rhea Ripley there. Um, she's been on a, an absolute tear. And I, I like the idea that Jack laid out. I just don't see it happening at all. I think Rhea Ripley this is one of probably one of my most confident picks, and that is Rhea Ripley retaining her her championship. Yeah, I think I think at least uh, Chris and I are on the same page there, but that's totally fine. Uh, Raw Women's Championship. You know, I, normally I would elevate these women's titles higher, but the truth is, I just don't feel like they have been booked strong enough, especially compared to last year or even the year prior, where they de- de- deserve billing over some of the other matches we have on this card. So I'm going Raw Women's Championship here. Becky Lynch defending against Shayna Baszler. And you know what? Um, we talked about matches that have been changed, uh, you know, or, or matches that may have had their results changed based on moving from Raymond James Stadium in front of, you know, 80,000 fans to the Performance Center. I'm going to give you my pick for this match, but I could totally see why they would change it in this case. I think the common thought here, the expectation is that Shayna Baszler comes in, she, you know, she pulls like a Dracula and just and just goes to town on the back of Becky's neck, then immediately goes into elimination chamber and runs roughshod through the raw roster like we've never seen before. And because of that, she's just going to go and beat the woman who has been built up to be the best women's wrestler in the company over the last 18 months or so. You know what, guys? I don't see it. I think it's another obstacle for Becky Lynch to overcome. Uh, and I think ultimately Becky Lynch, my booking has been that Becky Lynch shocks basically everyone. Baszler is the favorite if you're looking at the odds going into this match and retains her title, takes it a couple more months, just a little bit longer before eventually dropping it, whether it's to Baszler or Asuka or someone else, I don't know. But I don't think you just say, you know what, you're going to hold it from mania to mania and then we're done and and just you're going to move on because Baszler kind of has this heat from her. I don't think she got over nearly as much as they thought. I thought they booked the elimination chamber poorly by having such long gaps between each each woman getting eliminated and and the pods opening and all that stuff. Now, that said, because we moved from stadium to performance center, you don't necessarily have to worry about Baszler winning the title and then there being crickets in the crowd. So because of that, I do lend some credence to this being a change where, yeah, I would have picked Lynch 100% if it was in a stadium, but now I do see reason why they may go with Baszler here. Still, though, I'm going to keep my pick with Becky Lynch 
uh, retaining the championship. Chris, what about you? you? You took us on. You took us on a real journey there. But you understand what I'm saying? Like my my, my <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna I, get, no, I get what you. I get what Chris, you're saying. I want you, Chris, I want you to understand something. We should consider <laughs> ourselves lucky. He didn't say Ronda Rousey, and I was going to take my headphones off and walk away from this computer. So just please take that as a win. Real quick, my real quick, my point is this: everyone. Oh, don't was, do it! No, no, it's okay. When when Raymond when it was in Raymond James, everyone expected Baszler to win. I've always expected Lynch to retain. Now that it's changed, I'm still going to pick Lynch, but it would make more sense now for them to go with Baszler because they don't have to worry about the poor fan response that we saw at Chamber and that we've seen on Raw. She's not really eliciting the pop that I thought we that they thought she would get. So if you rewind this podcast back like five, six minutes and you listen to what Jack said about uh, about Rhea Ripley, that's exactly what I'm going to say here about Becky Lynch. I mean, she's been a borderline heel for a little bit here, coming in with oh, her own oh. truck, like NWO style. And uh, I, I think, yeah, I think this for is the when rock. she gets knocked down a peg and has to work her way back up. She's way better as uh, she's way better as a confident underdog anyway. I think when she has real obstacles in her way, because if she gets over this, there are there are no obstacles left. I, I, I think it's time uh, that that she gets back on a path. It reminds me of you know Austin in 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 the late nineties and eighties. He was always better chasing. He was great as a champion, but but the real the things you remember are when he was chasing. And that's what we remember about Becky this past year. She's been great, but nothing stands out like it did when she was chasing uh, going into last year's WrestleMania. I think she gets knocked down a peg by Shayna Baszler, starts to work her way back up. And we, we kind of get back into it. We start rooting for her again. Cause it's been hard for, it's been hard to really root for her with the way she's been so over the top of things. And I think this is the perfect time to, to give her a twist. Yeah, I mean, and you also have to remember something that WWE just continually forgets here in this whole storyline. Like, they could they continually forget to drill it into your heads, okay? Shayna Baszler used to fight in a cage. <laughs> she used to fight. She used to fight. She was what you you might call it a cage fighter. That's There's no cage here. There's no she cage here. a cage fighter. I don't know if you guys knew that. I don't think they don't talk about it enough. It's a shame. Uh no, Shayna, I had Shayna and Raymond James, and I have Shayna today. Um, I just think, eh, see, see, Chris, I agree with what Chris said, because for, for weeks, that was the popular set. Like, Becky was too full of herself. But then even, but then the, pro, they kind of did a, they kind of turned a bit after Elimination Chamber when they sent Becky out there to say, okay, I know the threat in front of me is real. And I was like, uh-oh, like they're kind of, like they kind of addressed it. You know what I mean, Chris? You remember that promo? Yeah. Where it's like WWE realized we were saying that. Like Paul, like people were telling Heyman or somebody like, hey, they're picking up on Becky being too, and they threw her out mm -hmm. there and she was all serious. It was like, all right, yeah, I get it. Now I get how dangerous she is. And it's like, oh, but I, but again, the, 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 you know, the, the truck with her face on it, everything, it, there's still elements of it there that she's still too cocky. And honestly, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know, Chris, it, or Adam, I don't know if you guys saw, I saw somebody on Twitter and I forget who it is. I hate not being able to give credit about this almost being a Rocky three story where like Becky is just going to get demolished, right? Sort of like Clubber Lang demolished Rocky that nobody saw. Like it was an ass beating. And I would love that. Is. Like three, four minutes, have Shayna just choke her ass out and say, ah, I got your title. See you later. That was easy. 
And then again, the storyline of Becky figuring out, holy shit, like where, where did Becky Lynch get to WrestleMania 35? Where's that Becky? How do I get that Becky back? How do I get that version of myself back to get this title back? I love that idea. It reminds me of Brock versus Cena at SummerSlam when we all were like stunned at that result. And that really sent Brock on the way he was going. I think it's a great idea to do that. It it, it makes Shayna a a, a heel. And as I said uh, on previous podcast on here, I love heels who look strong. And there's exactly what that person laid out on Twitter. I would I think that'd be a great story to tell. Last last point about that, though, this is this is another instance where no. The absence of the crowd is a good thing because if you do, if you did that mm-hmm. in front of eighty thousand people, I guarantee you they'd crap on it, mm-hmm. they'd boo the hell out of it. But now you could do it and just you could edit it to look how badass you want it to look. You know that that is really good booking and doing it Rocky Three style or or <laughs> even Cena Lesnar style, it does completely work. It's just I don't know, man. I I, I have a feeling that the reaction and response they've gotten so far to Baszler tells them that fans don't really care and don't see her in that way. Now, if she was Ronda Rousey, and that's the storyline that you're going to tell. I'm out. <laughs> uh, if, she was Ronda, if she was Ronda Rousey, and that's the story that you're going to tell, or another large dominant woman that, you know, maybe with a, a tad more charisma, although I, I don't dislike Shane, and I think she gets... A lot of unjust criticism, actually. I think she's a lot better than people give her credit for being. Um, Then I would maybe kind of agree, but I think they didn't do the Becky overconfidence stuff long enough. Um, You know, she came in and and she put on the King's crown and she was in a Conor McGregor, you know, fur jacket. And it was just like, yeah, it was a little cocky, but that hasn't been the case over the last few weeks. It was like that was the case for three weeks. And then the last three weeks, she's been normal Becky. So had they continued down that path, I might kind of buy into that. But right now, I'm going to stick with Lynch retaining here. And, you know, it, it would be tough because you kind of, if you're going to introduce Baszler like this, you kind of should be booking her to win. I just don't really think ultimately they're going to pull that trigger. Uh, moving on here, John Cena against the Fiend Bray Wyatt in a Firefly Funhouse match. Now, we don't particularly know what that's going to be. I think we all universally can agree that we hope it's not House of Horrors style. I hope it's a little bit better, more well-produced in Orlando. There's a ton of sound stages uh, and a lot of things that they can work with. So I, I certainly hope that they have upped the ante on this match and they do something theatrical and really damn cool. Uh, ultimately, you know, I don't think this is the match I wanted for Cena. It's certainly better than Cena Corbin would have been, um, but or Cena Elias would have been. I don't. It's not the match I wanted for Cena. And for Wyatt, I'm still kind of bothered that, you know, he lost the title to Goldberg and then the Fiend character, the Bray Wyatt character, just didn't give a damn that he lost, didn't even speak about it, didn't say anything, and just immediately went into the feud with John Cena. Now, on that initial SmackDown where Cena came out, I thought the story was great. Cena's in the ring cutting a promo about he's not going to have a match at Mania, he's not going to hold down any young talent. Bray comes out, challenges him. The corniness, though of the hat tip from Cena and the fiend just pointing at the WrestleMania sign. It lost me in the moment. However, everything that WWE has done since the face to face with Cena and the Mr. Rogers Firefly Funhouse version of Bray Wyatt on SmackDown, uh, the Bray Wyatt Firefly Funhouse from last week, 100% has me thinking this is going to be a great match. And this is the match 
on the entire card. I am more sure of the winner than any. It has to be Bray Wyatt. And any other breakdown, a no contest bullshit or... John Dude, Cena. You can't have it. No I know you can't. <laughs> you can't do it. But Jack, I didn't think you could have it in Hell in a Cell either, and yet we did, right? All right, so, all right. That's a good point. That's so good any point. any bullshit finish they give us, or have if they have John Cena win anything except the Fiend winning and continuing this role of dominance would be a massive mistake. Chris, tell me that I'm right. It absolutely should play out that way. And and every part of me wants to think it will until I look at the names in this match and I see John Cena and I see Bray Wyatt and I think about every single thing that happens to these characters and that <laughs> Cena always wins when he shouldn't and Bray always loses when he shouldn't. And there's a big part of me that think this is going to happen again. And I, I'm going to pick Bray just because I want him to win, but... I, I have to, and, and for every reason it should happen, for all the obvious reasons, I, I try to stay away from the dirt sheets, but I've heard that Cena's trying to let Bray get everything in that he wants to. Uh, I, I hope they, again, really lean into this and make it very cinematic in a sense, like like Matt Hardy, but 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 better quality, like on purpose. And uh, yeah, want Bray to win, but there's a big part of me that says it's not going to happen because it just doesn't happen. Yeah, def- definitely, Wyatt. But you know what depresses me about this? I, I, I literally thought about this today. I swear to God. I don't know. It was a thought that ran. Imagine if WWE wasn't so trigger happy where we'd be right now. If they weren't so trigger happy with Bray Wyatt need to put that title on him. He still could have feuded with Brian and a callback to the past. We could still do this John Cena thing and say, hey, this is where it all started. This is why I'm so screwed up. That's why I was screwing with Brian because of you. And then he goes after Universal Champion Roman Reigns heading into SummerSlam as the ultimate callback. You, you also you also could have flipped it where you like, have the, you damn. have you have you have the Bray Roman match, and maybe Roman Roman loses, or maybe Roman beats him, and a couple months down the line Bray gets it right back, and then you're moving into SummerSlam, and you have John Cena come in and say, you know what, we're in Boston, my hometown, no one has ended the Fiend, it's my time. I'm going to step in for what you guys couldn't do, and I'm going to end The Fiend. And he loses. Yeah. And then The Fiend is stronger than ever. You have Roman eventually win it next year's WrestleMania award. Or, or if Brian step up, or you have someone else step up. But you're right, Jack. If they weren't just so damn trigger-happy to get that title is, on them. The truth is, though, when you're talking about them being trigger-happy, he never should have been in the title match against Rollins in the first I, place, oh, which, I'm sorry, which that's means... Like- that's which what I means, meant. which means he would have been on Raw this entire time under Paul Heyman, and who knows how great the Fiend could have been. Yeah. Putting him in the match with Raw and screwed them. They had to change the title. They did. Then they had to move him to SmackDown. That's one of the reasons why WWE's WrestleMania plans took so long to come into focus uh, because they didn't even know what they were doing with the characters. Now, as for the fire, the the Firefly Funhouse match concept itself, I'm not going to crap on it like a lot of people are. I think it's a good idea. And I think with the resources at your disposal and the time they had to film it and edit it is good. And I'll tell you another thing. And I know some people might laugh at this, but I'm, I'm dead serious. I'm not being sarcastic. An underrated aspect of all of this is the fact that John Cena right now is a legitimate Hollywood actor. And the talents that he has picked up along the way could probably add a lot to what they want to do. Yes. And not a lot of people are thinking about that. Like he is a legit 
Hollywood actor. And like I said, he's learned a ton that he could bring to the table here with the way they want to shoot it. And I believe that he's going to he's going to be all in on this, too, for that exact reason, because this is an opportunity to show off acting chops as well. Of course. Yeah. For sure. And, and you know what? I wouldn't even hate. I don't want it to be comedy. I want I don't want it to be like broken, but it is going to be in the funhouse. Mm-hmm. So there are going to be things that are not 100 percent fiend. And I wouldn't hate if there's a little bit of an injection of comedy here and there. That wouldn't be the worst thing. So I am really curious to see what goes down here. Um, now, moving on to the match that I think, I mean, I'm going to speak for all of us again, that if we were booking WrestleMania would probably be the main event on Sunday. And that is Edge versus Randy Orton. You have Edge coming back after nearly nine years on the shelf, retired, medically retired from wrestling against Randy Orton. The one, even beyond John Cena, the one constant in WWE over the last, you know, almost two decades, 15 years or so in a last man standing match. Now, if you told me that this was going to be a last man standing match um, at a regular WrestleMania, I wouldn't be happy. Chris and I, Jack, have talked about it on the show numerous times. Neither of us necessarily like last man standing as a uh, match type, particularly the first match in, in a feud like this, where I much would have rather, for example, false count anywhere, where it's not just you have to do the count to 10, which is kind of anticlimactic you want that one two three and generally you want the crowd to pop in this case maybe you don't need it because there's no crowd right but still but still i do like that they gave this match a no holds barred street fight type of stipulation where we are not confining them to the squared circle they're able to go out and do other things because this is a feud that deserves it based on the promos that we've seen the storyline that they have told you know i i just don't ultimately see this match ending with Randy Orton winning, I could. I, I am not saying that WWE can't book it that way. It would make sense. You continue the feud a little bit longer. You do a steel cage match. You do a Hell in a Cell, something along those lines. But I think you only have Edge for limited dates. He's not a full-time performer. It seems like he's going to be a seasonal type of guy. You know, uh, WrestleMania feud, a Royal Rumble feud, a uh, SummerSlam feud, and so on. And because of that, I think you have to have Edge win this match um, take down Randy Orton. Orton, again, he can, just like AJ Styles, just like Cena and Flair, they can lose matches and not be hurt one bit. I think Edge is back. You have to give him the win, Jack. What do you think? Yeah, there is that. And like you said, there's room for WWE to swerve us by having Randy get the win and continue in this. And I mean, I, I don't, I wouldn't hate it, I guess, because they've done such great work here, but I'd probably be more optimistic if we were in a more, you know, the, the regular world. But uh, no, I think Edge is here. I, I like the dynamic of Randy Orton is a sick bastard that will just keep getting as sadistic as he has to. But in the years he's been away, people forget that Edge is just as sick, if not sicker. So I think the story in this match, especially the last man standing setting, will be as far as Randy's going to take things, Edge is going to remind people I could take things just a little bit farther than he can. And I think that'll be the story of the match and Edge wins. Yeah, I think Jack laid it out right there. I, I think Edge wins, legend coming back, limited dates, where this has gone. It makes sense. This is I don't think this is a feud that needs to continue for any reason. I think they've left they've left it all out there right now and they've done a great job building this up. Uh I, I if this was in the stadium a single night, a Sunday, I would not have made this the main event. 
Uh, I, I think you have to make a championship the main event for something like that. But because of the situation now, I do think this should main event Saturday uh, for idea. reasons for reasons we'll get into about Goldberg in that championship <laughs> match. There's nothing else. I, I think you can absolutely get away with ending on a last man standing match leading into Sunday when you have a bunch of stuff as well. Um, but yeah, they've, they've done a great job building this up. I would have, as always, as I've said, preferred false count anywhere. I just generally like that more. I'm not a fan of last man standing in general, uh, but uh, I, I think they'll do a great job. Hopefully, you know, this doesn't need to be a 25 minute match. It can be a, a hard 15 intense and, 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 you know, send you home happy with, with edge winning. Let's not forget that uh, Triple H Batista last year went like, I forgot if it was 25 minutes or 35. I think it was 35 yeah. minutes. So yeah. don't be surprised. Why do, you, why do you say let's not forget? Because I chose to forget. Like, I chose <laughs> to forget that. So, um, like, no, let's not say let's not forget. Well, be, my point is because a match like this with legends like this, they feel like <laughs> they, they want to get oh, the most out yeah. of them. And give I them expect time. that. So, so I wouldn't be surprised if. No, no, no. I, 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 yeah. It, but, it, it will go to it will probably go too long is, is oh what yeah. I but, say. Uh, but I do but I still think it's an opportunity. I do ultimately though like the idea of this main eventing Saturday night. I think they can get away with it particularly because of the next match that we're going to talk about. Um, it's a little strange for me for a raw match to main event both and for men to main event both when WWE is clearly still trying to you know push the women and and, and still trying to push their two main titles but in this case, because of these special circumstances, we don't even know if they're going to hold the WWE and Universal Championship on separate nights. They might be both be on the same night. So for me, Edge Orton, it's a great way to get people into that main event. Edge potentially standing over Orton is a great final scene. You always want that final scene on WrestleMania. That's a really cool final clip for night one. Uh, so I do, I am with you there. So Mags at Mags 316 writes in, he wants to know, regardless of the outcome, and assuming the story is over with Randy Orton. Who would you like to see Edge work with next? For me, two names, uh, one man, AJ Styles. Chris, what about you? I would love to see, uh, well, this is going to kind of go into my pick of, of something later. I would love to see Edge immediately go to the title match for Drew McIntyre and Drew McIntyre beat an established legend name as he continues his reign that I expect him to start. So that would be my pick. Easy, Seth Rollins. And you call back to, you wanted to kill me in front of John. Remember that, bud? Because, you know, I, I think KO and Seth, like this program's got on long enough, you blow it off of WrestleMania. I would have Edge go right after Seth and say, listen here, you little bastard. Remember what you did to me a few years ago? I think that'd be great. Yeah, that would be good. I think whether it's McIntyre or Rollins, if it's one of those two, he has to lose. Styles would give him the opportunity to win another one, but... Those other guys, the younger guys, I, ultimately basically with Edge and Adam, I said this to you weeks ago when we were still doing the show for CBS. I'm more looking forward to when Edge can turn heel. Yeah, and we'll get we'll great. get to that point eventually. And it, now, obviously, not the time like there's no way you can. But just like Brian was able to, you'll get to that point where Edge is going to be able to remind us just how great he is at yeah. what he does. No, give me you got to give me nine months. You know what I mean? Give me nine yeah. months of face and, and then you can do whatever you especially because it's not nine months where you're seeing him you know, four times a month. Yes. Yes. You're not seeing him 36 times. So, so you don't have to worry about that. Just give me, you know, three or four more face appearances or, or one or two more face matches, yeah. and then he can go over and be a heel. Um, we're going to move in and this is going to be the spoiler alert warning. We're going to talk about the universal championship. It's not a spoiler alert that Roman Reigns has pulled himself from this match against Goldberg, who comes in 
as the champion Reigns himself has said so on social media. The spoiler is who is replacing Roman Reigns, which we, in terms of if you're only watching WWE TV, you don't know that Reigns is out of this match and you don't know who has replaced him. So, you know, if you want to skip ahead, you can probably skip ahead three to five minutes uh, in the podcast, but I'm going to spoil it right now. The person replacing Roman Reigns is Braun Strowman. And I think um, the idea I had, guys, when it came to Roman pulling himself off this match, my idea, if I was booking the damn territory, it would have been, to, and I've said this previously on this podcast, but I would have had Fiend and John Cena go, go down on Saturday night and had been a number one contendership match. You have the Fiend win, the Fiend fight Goldberg, win the title back, and then you you wipe your hands and you make believe that Goldberg winning the title never happened, and you move forward with your storyline. It's a big moment for the Fiend. Everyone's happy. Um, but what they've done instead is they're going with Braun Strowman in this spot. And I don't hate that either, because Strowman is certainly someone who we've seen time and time again get opportunities and fail. Uh, we saw him beat Roman Reigns ultimately, I believe, in their feud. But other than that, he lost to Brock Lesnar twice, once by a single F5 when they were trying to build that up for Reigns to kick out of the F5 at Mania. That really, he did, but never he didn't win the match. Um, you saw that happen. Then you saw him again in that situation get bumped on the head with the Money in the Bank briefcase, I think, by Baron Corbin um, and lose to Brock in Saudi Arabia. We've also seen Braun lose numerous other times in big moments. I'm not necessarily saying that I want Braun Strowman to be a world champion, in this case, a universal champion. But I don't want Goldberg to be champion. And if those are my options, then, Jack, I have to have Braun Strowman win the title here. And I'm okay with it because at least it gives him an opportunity on a big stage. Yeah, I uh, as soon as I heard of who the replacement was, I said, please just put the damn title on him already. I mean, there were they, there weren't there were missed opportunities like this guy should have been universal champion two years ago. Yep, there, there's I was no doubt the about exact it. Same thing. This should be done already. And the poor guy, like, I mean, I mean, that's recent comments. The poor guy is kind of acting like an ass on Twitter lately. But, yeah. um, you know, like as, as far as a performer, yeah, he should have had his crowning moment two damn years ago. And if this is if this is the way it has to happen, then so be it. But I swear to God, I'm not going to be a happy person. And you know me, Adam, I don't take a lot of this stuff to heart like a lot of people do. But I am not going to be a happy person if Goldberg goes in there in like two minutes, takes Braun out just because Braun had to be a replacement. I'd get the hell out of here. No, 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 no. I, I, yeah. I may I may turn it off of that. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. And I, 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 I'm I'm half I'm half serious when I say that, but. I, I was, it, it, you're right. You, you said what I was exactly going to say, which was Braun should have been the champion two years ago. should have happened. Um, I, if he wins it here, it's not going to be a, a, a coronation of any sort. But I think it does open for what could be a tremendous feud that would get Roman over more than a win over Goldberg would. would and that's a Roman-Braun feud, six-month feud for the championship. Yeah. Have Haven't exchange it a few times going all the way into SummerSlam. These guys have incredible chemistry together. They had that amazing series of matches and incidents a handful of years ago when we thought Braun should have gotten the title. I think there's a great opportunity to, to, to make something really good out of a bad situation moving forward after this. And even if it's not a, even if it's not a amazing moment where Braun wins the championship, I, I think there's a way you can continue to get him over, continue to get Roman where you want him to together 
over over if they feud for it moving forward because those guys work great together. Put a championship between them, have them exchange it a couple times. I I think it, it would do wonders for for everybody involved. I mean, if we're being honest, they probably should have put Matt Riddle in this position, but we're gonna we're not. Goldberg gonna really, was Billy wasn't gonna have any of that. <laughs> that that would have been absolutely incredible. Um, but no, my my issue is this, and and I understand what you're saying in, in going back to the Braun um, Roman Reigns feud, but. The reason why I don't think that works is this. WWE has spent, and we talked about this ad nauseum on the Tuesday show. So if you guys want like a full conversation from myself and Chris about Roman Reigns and him pulling out of the match and what we think that means for him long term, please listen to Tuesday's show. We spent really the majority of the show talking about that. Um, but I don't think that WWE has spent the last 15 months building Roman Reigns back up into someone that fans legitimately cheer for. Not all. You're never going to get 100% these days, especially not from someone like Roman when you have so many smart fans who are still pissed off about what happened you know, with Daniel Bryan. But they've built him to such a point where I would say 80% of the crowd is now on his side. They're cheering for him again. And Braun, unless they figure out a way in whatever they do to book this on SmackDown Friday, Friday night or during WrestleMania to make the switch from Roman out and Braun in... Unless they turn him heel, then you have face Braun, who still gets a lot of cheers, against face Roman. And sure, you could turn Braun heel as part of that feud, but fans want to cheer for Braun. They don't completely want to cheer for Reigns. And because of that, I'd be concerned that the 15 months of work that you put in keeping Roman away from the title, putting him in feuds where you know he's going to get cheered, Corbin, for example, will basically have gone to waste if you just throw him into a face versus face feud with Strowman. Or if you try to turn Strowman heel, but he's a badass and people are like, oh, well, I want to cheer for him anyway. So what I think you do is you put the title on Strowman. You have the fiend challenge Strowman. He's continuing to check off his list on people that have turned on him and, and, and screwed him sideways. You have the fiend feud with Braun, eventually take the title off Braun. And then you finally give us fiend Roman, which was scheduled for mania at SummerSlam. And this is assuming, by the way, guys, that we have pay-per-views between now and SummerSlam. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Or that SummerSlam even happens. So, Dude, when... Think about this for a second. Like, we are just talking, like... Like, the the NCAA... I know it's nothing to do... Like, the NCAA just made made another implementation for the end of the month of May, okay? Just for an example. Just throw an example out there. Money in the Bank is scheduled for May 10th. Yeah. Like, come on now. Eventually, we're going to need answers to this. Although, WWE might get its rocks off on doing money in the bank in an empty arena. Well, that could work. It's a ladder match. They, yeah, they might. They actually come to think of it really quick. They might. But the point it. is, the, the, the point is, we're booking the we're booking the territory months in advance, and, and that's fine. We're allowed. That's what this is. Like, this is what professional wrestling this is, is what all we about. Should be so, doing. But, so, but, so that. But at the same time, what, we just don't know. We don't know what's going to happen. I mean, WWE could could very well say, "Hey." You know, we have Raw after WrestleMania in the can. We have NXT that week in the can. We'll put together a SmackDown to finish the week. And then we're going to take two months off. And if that's what happens, that's the situation where I could see Goldberg winning this. And they just delay what they were going to do because they know that they're going to take a break. And they think giving Braun the title and immediately taking a break will not will only continue to hurt him so that maybe is they a, try to keep so maybe they try to keep yeah. the status quo in that feud and and finish it tbd 
that is something that, that we certainly need to consider is, and we necess- haven't necessarily done that throughout the rest of this, but for these two matches, yeah, maybe they do say, you know what? Just have Goldberg spear him. Because yeah, I man, like Florida yeah. put the Florida put the shutdown order in today. I mean, I know they were yeah. like lucky about it, but they put the shutdown thing in today. They have the raw after WrestleMania taped. The reports are that they have taping scheduled for April tenth. What if they're told they can't do those damn tapings? Right. Then they right. are. Then there's no there's no choice. They'll have to go to Vince's pool to shoot <laughs> on SmackDown. Pat Patterson, yeah. Actually, if when I say it out loud, I don't hate it. They should have figured out a way to resign Matt Hardy just to use the compound. That, that's, yeah. that's uh, okay, moving on, though, to what we all expect to be Sunday's main event uh, of the two-night, too-big-for-one-night WrestleMania 36. And you know what? I'm even going to give WWE a plug. Streaming live on the WWE Network Saturday and Sunday, uh, beginning at 7 p.m. each night. Brock Lesnar defending the WWE Championship against Drew McIntyre. And we go into this. Obviously, McIntyre won the Royal Rumble. Um, but, Bro- but Brock Lesnar, for the last six years, has basically been champion 50% of the time. <laughs> and, you know, I would love to do the math and see what his combined title reigns look like. But this is a guy that Vince decided, I'm going to build this guy up as a beast. He's going to be my moneymaker. And I think we were initially upset um, when he beat The Undertaker and ended the streak. But at that time, we didn't know that he wasn't just going to continue working with WWE long-term because our only experience with Brock prior to his return to WWE is one year. He was in, he was gone, that was it. We thought he'd leave after a year, two years. But Vince has continued to re-sign him and continued to build this guy as an absolute unbeatable monster. And we have a great moment at the Royal Rumble with Drew McIntyre eliminating him from a, a, a Rumble match that over-delivered, I think, beyond all of our expectations. I actually think it was maybe the best Royal Rumble of all time, if not definitely a top three and it seems like we're headed for a coronation with Drew McIntyre in Raymond James Stadium at WrestleMania 36. But, you know, with them moving this to the Performance Center, my pick for Drew McIntyre, which I've had, you know, since he won the Rumble, I'm going to change it. I think that WWE figures out a way to not make McIntyre look weak, but allow Lesnar to retain the title. There's going to be a lot of casual fans watching this WrestleMania. Drew McIntyre, to us, we know him, but I think largely he's an unknown. And you kind of want your final moment at a WrestleMania that's available on Fox pay-per-view and Fight TV and and is this big event. It's the only live event happening right now. I think without fan reaction, you ultimately want Brock Lesnar standing there at the end of the night with the championship. I I don't think that kills Drew. I don't think it means he can't beat Brock for the title a couple months down the line. But my thinking has legitimately been switched. Drew is a heavy favorite in the odds. Not that odds actually matter, but he's a heavy favorite to win. If you're going to bet on wrestling, I like Lesnar like plus 240 to retain the title in this match, Jack. What about you? Hold on. Wait, you said you want Brock to stand tall because of the casual fans and they know Brock Lesnar? Yeah. So then why wouldn't you want to Drew McIntyre is a guy who towers over Brock Lesnar. So these casual fans you speak of are going to tune in for Brock Lesnar and go, holy sh- look at the size of that guy. Well, it depends. And if then they, Drew is going to catch their attention. It depends. And if they Drew's going to whoop his ass. And if, then people are going to go, whoa. If they make it a 50-50 match. You then make it a star. 
if it, but if they make it a 50-50 match, it doesn't it doesn't succeed to that level. Now, I'm not saying they need to put him over Brock like like Brock went over Cena, but if they allow him to go out there and beat the hell out of Brock, then yeah. maybe. But I just don't see them allowing that to happen. I think but them maybe not. Brock maybe. Brock seems to love Mr. Andrew McIntyre here. Seems to love him a lot. And we know what happens in history when Brock likes you. When Brock when mm-hmm. Brock has affection for you, Brock will go out of it. I mean, hell, he the poor the, the the guy got caught on camera trying to help Drew by saying, "Grab the title after you beat the shit out. Of him. Grab the title. You'll look yeah. better." So could I see Brock saying, "Hey, man, look, I hey, I, we'll we'll come back for down the road somewhere. Beat the hell out of me. But let's go five minutes. Just work me over. Like I'm I'm not taking you seriously." Boom, Claymore kick, I'll backflip for you, and we're out of there. <laughs> yeah, um, uh, th- that's, that's exactly how I feel. I don't see the, – the, um, the only way I would see Brock winning is if it's exactly what I just said about Goldberg and that they know they have to take a break here and yeah. they want that moment to last longer um, and there to be a coronation of sorts. Uh, other than that, no, I, I think you have to end this show. You have to end Sunday night with Drew standing tall. They've done a great job of building him. I was not as in on him at the beginning – when he made this run, you know, the one, two, three right, Claymore right. kick was a little bit corny to me. But I can't deny that the fans absolutely ate it up. He has been getting huge cheers throughout all of this. I think they've done uh, – I don't know if he can be a mega superstar that crosses over that they've been trying to build. But in terms of the wrestling world, I think they've done a great job. He'd be a great champion. I, I liked what he did at TNA when he was the guy. And, uh, and exactly, I think Brock would love to put him over. Uh, and I, I think we get we get just that, and everybody's perfectly fine with but, it. But by the way, have we? When's the last time we saw Drew, like live on TV? The- I don't know. And I tell you this: I did not see Raw Monday night because my power was out or my cable was out. Uh, did they? Did they show that BT Sport training? Dude, he was BT doing BT Sport. Holy crap, Adam! Did you see that? I did. They didn't. I don't think they showed that on Raw. They didn't. Because that. Well, no. I, I don't know if they could, but that was can. amazing, and that's exactly what you needed to do, dude. But, I am so like for years. BT Sport with their relationship with UFC. They. I swear to God, the promos they make for every single UFC card trump anything the UFC tries to do. And now that they have this relationship with WWE and WWE lets them, because that was part of the deal too. They were like, "You got to let us make our videos," and we know how talented WWE's video team is. Even BT Sports WWE videos are putting them to shame. Mm-hmm. Those guys are crazy talented. It's just strange because, so to answer your question, Chris, no, Drew was not on um, Raw. And I, I believe they may have aired a package, but you had Lesnar in the ring cutting a promo with Heyman. Heyman cutting a promo to end the show. That was incredible. And I did say that we would air that on today's show, but we've already gone on way too long. So I'm not going to throw that promo in here. You can find it on WWE's YouTube channel or the WWE on Fox YouTube channel. It's a great promo. Um, But we haven't really heard from or seen Drew McIntyre, at least to the best of my knowledge over the last few weeks since they've been taping at the Performance Center. And if you're not going to show me the challenger outside of they did air the Royal Rumble where he beat Brock, I think two weeks ago, then that's even more reason where I think like if they're not pushing this guy, if he's not able to be on TV promoting this match, it's even less of a reason. I think he's ultimately going to win the title. He should be the guy front and center. He should be the guy cutting these massive promos. And they ended the go home raw 
without the challenger on TV, even if he, I don't know where he is, but let's say he wasn't in Orlando for some reason. Let's say he had to fly in. I mean, we knew he, he was in Scotland. Did he make it back to the country? He, but I'm saying he could have cut a promo from Scotland on a phone. He could have <laughs> yeah. done it from the airport. You got to get this guy on TV. So now that I'm thinking about it even deeper, it's even more reason why I think Lesnar's going to retain the title. Uh, you're right in terms of what you're reading there, but I'm going to, I tend to chalk that up to all the logistic problems they're having. Um, that, that, that's my guess on on it for right now. That's fine. Um, finishing up here, we do have a DM side. We actually have two. One is from P Turgan. He actually asked us, we are, Jack already answered the question, but have you heard if there's going to be a raw after mania or do you think we're getting a clear season break quote unquote after this? I, I know we raw after mania is taped. I believe the NXT after Mania with Gargano Champa uh, that is taped. I believe as well. Oh, yeah. I don't. I don't think SmackDown is. So I, I don't really know what their plan is this upcoming week. Uh, Jack said there's a taping on April 10th. Maybe that was the plan. Not 100% sure. Um, but for me, I would not hate if after SmackDown they kind of just said, you know what, uh, coronavirus. It's real. It's a pandemic. Like everyone's. We got to take this really seriously. We are going to take four weeks off at a minimum, and we're going to reconvene, you know, whatever date, mid-May, um, and start from there. And just kind of let storylines live and breathe and go from there. And air, they, they have those slots, two hours, uh, three hours on Mondays, uh, two, uh, uh, two hours on Wednesdays, and two hours on Fridays. You, they can air clips for Mania. They can air other old matches and old events. They have plenty of content to put in that spot. Yeah, like WWE doesn't have to play around with this. It's like a parent dealing with a child. When you tell the kid, hey, don't lie to me or else that's just going to make it worse. Like if WWE just comes out and just tells the truth that says, look, we really wanted to get WrestleMania in. We understand it wasn't ideal. The TV leading up to it and WrestleMania. We understand that. We got that. That's all we wanted to do. So now we're going to go away for a little bit. I'm going to say, all right, understandable. I get where you're coming from. We'll see you when you get back. And yes, before anyone asks, AEW should do the same thing too. Because they, they got kicked out of Jacksonville now and no one knows where they are. Yeah, they're on like a soundstage somewhere. Like in yeah, I, I, I agree. I agree with you on that. The, 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 even the fact that they haven't officially announced Roman's stepping out yet. I, I'm sure they will on SmackDown. But talking about hyping this up is too big for one night, trying to make this feel like a bigger WrestleMania. It just all feels we, like we all know what's going on. And, and, yeah. and their attempts to overhype everything, I feel like it's just, it's just not working here. A, as for what happens next... You know, I know they announced on, I think, Tuesday that that Fox Sports and WWE teamed up for a a big deal of of showing programming. I know they're going to show WrestleMania on Tuesday nights, it sounds like. Um, But maybe maybe this maybe there's something in here that has to do with uh, showing stuff on Fox on on Friday nights in place of SmackDown, showing some other sort of WWE programming new uh, in the past or, or, or something. If they can't film SmackDown, they have to do something. And I'm wondering if this deal with Fox Sports is part of that. Maybe they air WrestleMania. Hey, or hey look. Yeah, on Friday. Chris, to your point, I mean, I, I personally don't like I'm not one to watch back a lot of old stuff a lot of times. But like I just saw today that that re-airing of WrestleMania 32 on ESPN Sunday night drew like 700 and some thousand viewers. It was a, it was a top like, rated sports that, show all week on the network. Like and so and so was their re-airing of thirty, correct? That weekend, I believe that was so. like eight hundred and some thousand viewers. I mean, for right now, I mean, obviously things change and like people might. It's working. 
Like, yep. like even, it's, it's doing something. Like, like, you, like, I would love for them, you know, me personally, I'd love for them to go back and show WrestleMania 17. And I know it's not any of the new people, but you can use it as a chance to pitch the network as well. You'd have to clean up yeah. a lot of it, especially on commentary. A lot of that stuff does not carry over <laughs> now <laughs> anymore and stuff like that. But I, I, I think you could I think there if we get down the road, there is a chance you could air some really old WrestleManias like they've been airing old baseball, basketball games uh, at, at some point. I think you could do that, too. They could also take uh, for Raw. They could pare down the Monday Night Wars doc, which are already giving away for free. To yep. not, you don't even have to be a network subscriber. You can go and watch it right now as a non-subscriber. Yeah. You put that on Raw for four weeks. Pare it down. You know, three hours, four episodes. It's twelve hours a show. They have a ton of good documentaries. So the the yeah. Untold series, the the Ruthless Aggression stuff, Monday Night War. They yeah. they they have so much of that stuff on the network in that library that, that, that you can use from as well. I think. Yeah, and, and, and even this raw, like granted, yes, for a go home raw, <laughs> the final hour got a 1.9, right. And that any other circumstance, that's really bad. But a lot of people are watching news right now and they're, and they know it's taped in an arena or in, in a performance center. They're not really tuning into yeah. raw, uh, but they still got 2 million viewers on USA network, you know, for the show. So it's crazy that that's happening right now. So that's at least what I would do. I, I would, I would take a break. I would take at least a month, and kind of say, you know what? Let's reset. Let's let our creative team sit home and write storylines. And when we get back, let's nail it. Let's really, really kill it. One last question before we get out of here. Sean McDermott at I'm Bored Brother. Uh, how do you think fan and critic reception of Two Nights of Mania will be when all is said and done? Seems like a lot of negative opinions have already been formed. I think it's very simple. It's all going to be based on whether anyone gets sick. If the two shows are good and entertaining... And we do know long-term, especially the last two years, when we think WWE's put together like a shit pay-per-view, they always come out and surprise us with their best show. They WWE operates best under pressure. So I actually think WrestleMania is going to be good. I don't think it's going to be comparable to any of these major stadium shows, but I think it'll be entertaining two nights of television and people are going to be thankful that it was on TV. As long as the wrestlers are healthy, as long as everyone's safe, the reaction I think will be positive. But if one person is sick or if one person was sick and got other people sick, it's going to be a firestorm on WWE. I don't expect that to happen. I think they're taking pretty good precautions. You know, I interviewed Seth Rollins uh, earlier this week on the show. He told me him and Becky were basically in like a bus outside the performance center. That's where they've been staying, you know, for the last couple of weeks. So if they're doing that with all their performers, it seems pretty damn safe if they're providing food for them, so on and so forth. Uh, as long as the show's go off and and nothing bad happens to anyone. I think it's ultimately going to be really positive, Chris. What about you? I think it's going to be positive because it's 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 something to watch. There's just nothing going on. I think I think the fact that WrestleMania replays have done well on ESPN is because people just want to watch something with some with some energy going on and I think even if it's not great we're going to feel like it's better than nothing because there's nothing else going on right now. And we will, we'll pro again, as long as everybody's safe and everything, we will be grateful that they went forward with this because it, it was something to look forward to in a time. It was something to look forward to, and it was entertainment in a time where there is literally none of that anywhere. I think that's why they, part of the reason why they went forward with it. And I think it, it, as long as it's not a complete dumpster fire, we'll say, hey, you know, hey, it was fine. It was fine. It was nice to have something because I haven't had anything else to, to look forward to. It's fine. That's that's my that's how I feel like I'm going to come out of it. 
Yeah, I I don't I don't like the circumstances of the show, obviously, and the, the the hiccups that came along with it, such as Roman Reigns having to say, "All right, I'm bouncing. I'm not taking part in one of the two big matches." But at the same time, I'd be lying if I didn't say that I'm not appreciative of WWE doing this for us. Again, just like you guys said, but you can't stress this enough. As long as they're being safe with those guys and girls, anyone who's in that performance center. I, you have to appreciate what they're trying to do here in a time where everyone is forced to shut down. But WWE has this small window where they could say, hey, we could still be here for you to give you live entertainment. The biggest show of the year. I know it's not a, it's not an ideal setting, but we could still pull it off. And yeah, for that, I appreciate them doing this. I think ultimately, you know, you do have to, like you said, give respect and appreciation to WWE for sticking their neck kind of on the line in a really unique, terrible situation to try and entertain us. And and sure, you can be cynical and you can say that it's all about the money and WWE sees an opportunity where they are legitimately the only game in town. Yeah, AEW is still operating, but I mean, you know, it's a Wednesday night TV show versus their biggest event of the year in WrestleMania. And, And you can see that WWE is trying to take advantage of that, especially during a time where, you know, their stock had boosted up in a massive way and they're having some internal problems and so on and so forth. But ultimately, this is Vince. This is Vince McMahon. This is what WWE is about. They were the first sporting event to do something after 9-11 when other tragedies and bad things happened. The show went on in WWE. And this is just another circumstance of that. So, you know, I am certainly, I don't want to use the word excited, but I am anticipating WrestleMania 36. Uh, I am happy that WWE is putting it on. And of course, you know, if you've listened to Getting Over, if you've listened to any podcast that I have ever been on, Sunday night, immediately after WrestleMania 36 is off the air, the second night, there will be instant analysis of WWE's biggest show of the year here on Getting Over. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Drop that five-star rating. Give us a review. Follow us on Twitter at Getting Overcast. You can also follow me at Silverstein Adam. You can follow Jack at J Crosby CBS. And you can follow Chris Vanini at Chris Vanini, V-A-N-N-I-N-I. I appreciate everyone listening to our ultimate WrestleMania 36 preview. It was planned for an hour. We win too. You know that's just how it goes here. And with that, folks, ahead of the showcase of the immortals, the granddaddy of them all. I just got three words for you. Bye-bye for now. <laughs>